Um, shout out to Khadijah. Uh, I reached out to her on TikTok. Been following her for a minute on there, and uh, very interesting content. But how are you doing, uh, Miss Khadijah? I'm doing good today. I'm feeling good. It's almost Friday, so <laughs> I'm glad to be here. So thanks for having me. No worries. No worries. Take a couple seconds, and not now the feedback's perfect. It's gone now. Um, good. Okay. Anyway. Take, uh, take a quick second. Um, talk to the people, all three of us who, who have joined in. Um, tell people a little bit about yourself. What's going on, everybody? So my name is Khadija. I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. So if you watch it from Detroit, what up, though? I know Detroit <laughs> get a bad rap, but, you know, it's, it's, we cool. We cool. We good people. <laughs> um, I'm 30 years old, if that matters. And... Um, I don't have any children and um, by trade, I'm a financial counselor. So I help people with their finances, help them improve their credit um, and financial education specifically. And I don't know. That's kind of it. It's always weird when it's like, tell me about yourself. Cause I'm like, I don't know what right. part to tell. Cause I feel like I got yeah. like multiple people in me or something. I don't know, but <laughs> well, that's real. I mean, you got layers and of course, the exactly. One of my favorite interviewers is Tim Ferriss, and he's just amazing at peeling back the layers of a person and like digging. And so, of course, TikTok is usually the easiest. Uh, I tend to go to people's Instagram, but with TikTok, it's video form, and so the, you get way more information versus right. on Instagram. You typically get a picture and a little caption, and you got to try to read into it. Um, but either way, it's it's interesting to to discover people beyond their TikTok accounts, beyond their content that that they're willingly giving away. Um, right. But in regards to Detroit. Um, you hear all the, the, like, you kind of mentioned the stereotypes and like the, a lot of the, the rhetoric surrounding how dangerous it is or how, you know, that's forgotten city that used to be booming at one point. Um, is there any truth to that from, from your experience? Like, is, is there like layers to Detroit that a lot of people don't know about? Like, is there a suburbs area? Like, I think I've been there once before and I was in, I was downtown, so mm -hmm. I, I didn't really see any of what's portrayed on the media, but how would you react to the stereotypes about, uh, Detroit, Michigan? Um, I hate the stereotypes about Detroit because if like I remember one time I was studying away in New Orleans and we were doing like we were like improving houses in the I think lower ninth floor from after Hurricane Katrina. And it was like only a couple of black people on the trip. And it's, it's like some of the white people was like, yeah, so I heard like Detroit is being overran by like stray dogs and stray animals. And I'm just like, Goodness. what part of Detroit are you talking about? And I was <laughs> just like. Mm, that's not really true, but um, it's similar to any other major city. Um, like you said, once was booming and then due to white flight with the economy leaving, the city just kind of deteriorated, just similar to like mm. Flint or, you know, any like I said, any other major city um, that was once upon a time booming and had the economy. Detroit is, you know, the motor city. So we have GM, mm. Ford and um, GM, Ford and Cry Chrysler? Chrysler, yeah. Yeah, GM Ford and Chrysler. So, you know, back in like the 1900s, you know, they had all that economy. But once that left, that took the resources and stuff away from the city. So, I mean, of course, the result of that is, you know, deteriorated um, communities, um, low property values and, mm. you know, things like that. That's not all so sexy, but it's being gentrified now. So, like you said, downtown is up and coming but mm -hmm. when you look at the larger city like for instance the school system has a two billion dollar debt um wow. it's like those main things that's the most important part but 
I think Detroit overall, the city is good. I think it has good people and a lot of talent um, has come from Detroit and still does come from Detroit. But I do live in the suburbs now, though, so. Okay, she, she, she didn't moved up. Stop playing with her. You understand? Like she, she, she don't live with where the slums at, bro. She, she out there different. Is, is, is that a is that credentials on the, on, your, on your wall behind you? Yeah, I got a you know that's my uh, financial counseling certification, and then okay, I got okay. a little another little piece of paper above that. But you know nothing. Stop playing with her, man. Nothing. Like, nothing. Yeah. I mean, you know, some you know, light, some light. Just a little something. I mean, help me, help guys my, uh, you know, knowledge and stuff that I talk about. <laughs> I see you, I see you. Um, so a lot of your rhetoric, from at least from my perspective, and I would imagine from a lot of men's perspective, you have such a sense of red pill ideology built into a lot of your message. Um, now, Again, I'm very slow to label anyone's rhetoric as this is what she's talking about. This is what she is. This is the the category, the box we're going to put her in. But would you classify yourself as like red pilled? I guess like no, that I guess I would even something that I wasn't like privy of. Like this whole like new age of like different red pills, blue pills, all of that. I never even Mm. seen the Matrix before, so I wasn't even aware. (laughs) I wasn't even mm-hmm. aware as to what people were talking about. And honestly, um, before last year, you couldn't pay me to get on YouTube and watch a YouTube video because I just was like, wow. uh, I don't really like, like, because I will see a lot of like hair reviews or makeup stuff. And I'm just like, this is boring. I don't want to hear about this. <laughs> and it wasn't until like I came across some Kevin Samuels clips on like Instagram or whatever when I found out he had a YouTube page. And that's when I started um you know, getting on YouTube. So I was completely mm-hmm. unfamiliar with like all of those terms, like manosphere and all of those different things. But mm-hmm. what I now know to be like red pill, I'm like, oh, well, I, I guess I could be considered red pill because these are <laughs> things that I've had in my head like for a long time. And, you know, these ideas and stuff I've had in my head for a long time, but I just never spoke on it because I thought it was like me being judgmental or you know, not the popular opinions of, of females. So, but mm-hmm. I'm not really quick to label myself either. I mean, I like to just call it keeping it real and looking at observable reality. So. That's, that's real. That's facts. Um, do you have any thoughts on the legacy of Kevin Samuels? I watched one of your TikToks in regards to, you know, his passing and a lot of the rhetoric surrounding the excitement from a, a lot of black women, a lot of women that were, let's call them victims of his rhetoric or, or targeted. Um, now, in light of the fact that he did talk to men for so long and no one cared that there was no videos, there was no outcry, there was no targeted attacks against him. But of course, once he switched and he started gaining fame and you know, passing a million subscribers and passing a million followers on Instagram, of course, a lot of rhetoric changed. Kind of like Andrew Tate is kind of like right now where he's been attacked mm. by, by various communities. But yeah, well, what, what are your thoughts on Kevin Samuels and his legacy? Um, and how his message has it's still circling the world a couple of times. It's still on TikTok. It's still in the algorithm. But yeah, do you have yeah. any thoughts on, on his legacy? Yeah, I think that, um, and I think it's so crazy that he got so much um, like attacks against him. I mean, I think it's simply because it's like, how dare a black man in a suit get up here and try to tell somebody about their stuff? That's what I think the main problem is. <laughs> and it kind of just speaks to the larger um, issue that black men period shouldn't have anything to say which i mean 
I had to go all up into politics, but we all know where that stems yeah. from. Yeah. And so um, I think that, you know, it's unfortunate that he got attacked the way that he did, but his message and the things that he said obviously weren't original to him. He wasn't the mm-hmm. first person that, you know, said the things that he said. And um, his information, I'm sure, came from not only his own experience, but other men's experience, but other men's platforms as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I do think that he was successful in putting on full display women. Um, by having mm-hmm. those conversations back and forth with them, I think he was able to put that on full display. And, you know, I mean, it was it was funny to me until it wasn't funny no more. Cause I'm like, well, Dan, that's yeah. me. Like, I'm like, oh wow, that's really how we be. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's really how we sound, you know. So I, you know, people had their opinions about him. I mean, I I like the overall um things that he would say. And, you know, it's just like he would always say chew the meat and spit out the bones. I mean, if it don't apply, let it fly. So um, overall, I think that a lot of things that he said were truthful and they were helpful um, to me as a person, which is why I'm able to be in a position now where I'm able to speak on these things publicly and definitively uh, because I've done, I took those hard truths, got my, got my big glass of water and swallowed those hard (laughs) pills. And, you know, it was able to help me overall and, I was I actually was able to go on his show one time and um like let him know like you know thank you for your messages and stuff cuz it was able to help me in my life so I thought I think it was you know good I think he did a good job putting it out there and like you said it's still out there for other people to see so respect was there anything that you disagree with him on um I I I'll go first just so you don't feel like you know you got to take on the whole army of Kevin Samuels um his marriage uh, rhetoric, I, I can see the point of it. And I, I see the value in it in terms of raising children, in terms of building black families. But I couldn't see the value in it for a man by themselves in a vacuum. Now, of course, that's not how marriage works in the first place. But as someone who's coming from the single lot, the single world and has pretty much whatever they want, whenever I want it, you know, where I want it. Like I, when I make a move, I pack my car up and I go. Like at the end of the month, I'll be moving to Florida. And I'm not asking for opinions. I'm not asking for which city I should, which apartment, which car I can drive. Do you want to go to the beach today? I'm like, well, the kids. I'm like, I, I, I enjoy being able to pick up and go when I want to. If I want to work out in Miami today and pay a thirty dollar, you know, admission fee to a random gym, like I'm doing that. To, I'm, I'm this weekend. I'll probably go to Houston or Dallas. I haven't decided yet, mm-hmm. but I, I enjoy the agility of just just going. And so when I think about marriage. I, I can't seem to find a benefit. And I'll, before before we, well, I'll, I'll say that for later. But in regards to marriage, I'm still waiting. And I ask all my guests, you know, is there any incentive to get married? And I haven't yet found any. So, of course, in relation to Kevin Samuel, he was a champion of it, you know, being married twice, divorced twice. Um, but he still championed it as, you know, this is how we're going to rebuild the black community. This is how we get black banks and black hospitals and, and our, get our black communities rebuilt to a level that is comparable to these white communities or the suburbs, what have you. But then I didn't see him rushing to get married. And of course, with the scar tissue of two marriages, it's my it's my belief system that if something is valuable, people will go out of their way, stand in line, climb high mountains, low valleys, barrel through the ocean to get to something valuable. And I don't see people rushing to get married anymore. I'm like, if the value's there, you would you would have to beat people off with a stick. You would have to like, please stop getting married. Please please stop pursuing long term like you just don't see it. And I didn't see people mm-hmm. like him with resources everywhere. Like his super chats was a little ten. 
like as somebody who's monetized on my other channel, I'm like, bro, that's that's some blessed super chats, bro. Like 300, 400, 500, 600. Brad got bread, bro. Right. Penthouse in Miami, all he 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 had the world at his fingertips. He had celebrities right. hitting him up, all, everything. And I'm like, if marriage was that valuable to him, he would be pursuing it with all his might, with all his resources, with all his time. I, I just didn't see that. So I typically go by people's actions, what they say they believe and what they believe to be valuable. Um, but so that, that that's something for me that I'm like, I just I don't see the value of marriage as much as I want to get married and I would dare not bring children into this world without being married. I'm still struggling to find the incentive to do so. So that, that, that's just my little spill on, you know, things I disagree with, with Kevin Samuels on. I, there wasn't much to, to, to disagree with, but that was definitely one thing. So yeah. Uh, is there anything that you disagreed uh, with Kevin Samuels on? And if you want to touch on that marriage topic, you're, you're welcome to do so. Yeah. I think you, you made a, um, a lot of good points. I think the thing that I disagreed with him on is I understand that he was speaking in regard to like men and what, you know, y'all go through. But I think the Mm -hmm. thing that I disagree with, especially now, like looking back on things and having other information, I think the point, the the part that I don't disagree with him on is that, or that I don't agree with him on is that he tried to appease everybody. um, Mm -hmm. And in the sense that he didn't really put like black being black first you know what I'm saying like in regard to you know like he would kind of often say like oh you know you know chattel slavery couldn't stop us and but you know it ain't white supremacy holding us back it's us holding ourselves back and I understood I understand what he was saying but at the end of the day a lot of the dynamics that he was talking about we're still kind of under a system of white supremacy. And I think what you just mentioned about being married and him not rushing to get married, I think that's the main one. Like we all know that if you get married, you can get divorced, but you don't necessarily have to be married on paper. Um, Mm -hmm. Like prior to 1920, it wasn't even a such thing as a marriage license. And if we think about how our people came through um, slavery and all they did was jump the broom (laughs) and, and that just what, you know, meant being married, you know, I didn't necessarily agree, you know, with the part that you have to get married on paper or you have to, you know, do it, I guess, um, the white supremacy way or the white people's have to necessarily do it that way, because that is the way that then start leading to divorce and all of this other uh, stuff, which is now why a lot of men don't want to get married because they're like, yeah, I'm not about to let somebody take me to the cleaners just because I have to legally put stuff on paper with them. So I think mm-hmm. like in regards to that, like I, I understood his message was, you know, he was speaking for all men, but I think at the same time, it's kind of hard to do so being a black man. It's, it's kind of hard to talk about somewhat white ideologies to black men and, and black people in general. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm trying to make it make sense in my head, but um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it does. Um, <clears throat> I would push back on the white supremacy. Um, and it's why I tend to stand alone being a black person and black man is why people kind of catch me out in the open and like they, they start throwing little shots, whatever, you know, Uncle Tom and Coon. <sighs> with the degree on, the, on your wall behind you, um, with my ability to serve in the Air Force, get out, get benefits, uh, you know, I have access to a free education. I'll be starting school once I get out. I start realizing that, and it's where I slightly, slightly agree with Kevin Samuels that 
I think I think black people hold ourselves back more than anyone else can hold us back. And I believe there are systems in place that we probably don't know about because if we knew about them, we would just target them. But because we we're just kind of throwing in the dark and saying, well, white supremacy, systematic racism, systematic, systematic you know, discrimination is holding us back. But we're not actually targeting any specific laws. And if we were targeting those laws, it would be out in the open. And we have the news networks. We have the, the voice and on Twitter, on, on TikTok, definitely on YouTube, where we have entire news networks. And Indisputable is one of them. They talk about mostly racism, mostly Karens, mostly you know assaults on black people. We will be targeting those laws, and those laws will be out in the open. But because we're kind of just kind of stabbing in the dark, I think a lot of the rhetoric is lost on most ears. Because I mean, it's just at some point that there's a boogeyman, and you're like, all right, if we're gonna kill the boogeyman, let's just kill the boogeyman. But we get to a point where like it's just it's unbearable to hear that everything is racism, everything is holding me back. We have too many opportunities in, the, in this in this country, and you see like pe- people like Brittany Griner who leave the country, and then they realize. Oh yeah, I don't have the same rights I had in America, and you try to exercise those rights with like, all right, I'm gonna plead guilty, and hopefully there's leniency, or hopefully, you know, they'll give me benefit of the doubt. And you realize I had it pretty good in America, and you're trying to get back here. You know, you have your family begging our U.S. government, the one that we kneel against, the one that we claim is oppressing us. People are begging that same government to show us love, and historically they have. I mean, Trump. You know, a lot of people don't like what Trump did or the way he was or the way he spoke or the person he was. And he's still being, you know, attacked by, you know, these committees and what have you. Um, and for a lot for a lot of good reasons, because, you know, that, that attack on the Capitol didn't happen for no reason. Like that there was a stimulus, that there was a catalyst. But you saw how he enacted a, a lot of help on, on our on our behalf, getting black people out of jail, the black men out of jail. Like there's uh, I'm not sure if you know him. I'm in Shumpert. He's an NBA player and he just got arrested at Dallas Airport for having weed mm-hmm. and no one talked about it. Right. It's just kind of, it, it got a little bit of a buzz on Twitter and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Brittany Griner, like there's people, there are Americans over in Russia right now for the same, there's a teacher that's been over there, I believe for like two years. Right. And she got 14 years. Mm-hmm. Nobody talked about it. Had weed. Right. And so it, it's a lot of those things of like, the, I think there are systems in place that, that, that could be biased or there's people in place rather. And I, I, I'm close to the side that's saying that there are racist people versus there are racist systems because systems like this computer with this MacBook Pro, it can't be racist. It follows commands. But the person behind it, the person that pulls the trigger can be racist. So as far as white supremacy, um, you know, I believe that there's merit there, but I can't blame it completely for my own decisions. We talk about, you know, gun violence. You know, white officers killing black men. But look at Oblock. Look at Detroit. Look at, uh, you know, New York City. Gangs. We're killing way more black people ourselves. Black people kill way more black people than white people kill black people. And we don't talk about it. Our, our music glorifies it. But then when one black person gets killed, we burn down cities. I'm like, I, I can't justify that logically when we glorify gang violence, sliding on our ops, we have entire communities that they the only way they eat is killing another black person. I'm not sure how that's supposed to build our communities when white people, I mean, honestly, they're not doing much against us as much as we're doing against ourselves. Your thoughts. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, like you said, um, you know, at the end of the day, it is our individual selves that have to make certain choices and things like that. Um, when I think of certain um 
things that people do or like you said, like you mentioned, places like where it's, it's high violence and crime, um, like Detroit or like Chicago, whatever major cities like that, kind of to my point that I mentioned earlier, um, this it is not just because black people just woke up one day and start killing each other. It is because it's poverty. It is because it's the lack of resources or the lack of certain things that um allow other people to thrive that if you don't have, you you can't thrive. For instance, like I mentioned, the school um, system in Detroit having a huge debt. How are the children supposed to have enough resources to then be prepared to go to college or, you know, extracurricular activities after school or things like that? If, you know, the school, which is the system that's supposed to be in place to, to aid them, how are they supposed to thrive when those things are missing? Or, you know, like Detroit is also a city where the um, the citizens in the city were overtaxed on their um, property. But then, wait, the citizens are being overtaxed on their property, but then property taxes, which supposed to go to the schools to help the kids, it didn't happen. And so, you know, I'm not the one to sit up here and say that, oh, everything is white supremacy, everything is racist, thing, but to a certain degree, did. Um, I think it is the overarching thing that does influence um, people's individual decisions. Um, I'm not going to say that, oh, little Johnny went out and killed, shot up the block because, oh, white supremacy. No, it it Mm. probably is because he didn't have a a father in the home to teach him. He didn't have um, certain resources in place to be able to guide him to make better decisions. He probably is being raised by a single mother. Um, and, And those different things you know, kind of culminate to the detriment of the community or whatever. And it, it and it's not just because, well, black people just ain't S and they just want to, you know, be underachievers or they just don't want to do better. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the other part about it. Like a lot of the time we, it's kind of like, oh, well, you're supposed to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. And it's like, okay, but if I don't even have on boots, how, what bootstraps <laughs> am I supposed to pull myself up by? You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, you know, I, I agree. Like, it's not just, um, oh, well, yeah, everything is racism, everything is racism, because I do agree that people use that as a cop out to get away from their own individual decisions and to avoid holding themselves accountable. I agree with that 100 um, percent. But we but I'll never deny that um, we do live under a system of white supremacy, unfortunately, and it does um, inform and guide a lot of the things and decisions that people might make individually or as a group. A couple things. Um, and your point's well taken um, as far as the nuances, especially as it relates to what causes gang violence, what causes the black community to be, you know, originally enslaved and how we're, we're starting our, our starting line is quite a bit beyond or behind the white starting line, especially in regards to compound interest and building wealth. The time you start investing matters way more than how much you invest, mainly because a lot of these investment accounts are capped anyway. But anyway, um, I would ask you, um, would, would you imagine or would you argue that a trailer park is the equivalent to a ghetto or comparable or, or, or the equivalent for white people? Mm, no. Oh, no. Is there a white equivalent to a ghetto? Mm, I don't think so, because, I mean, at one point in time, you know, um, white immigrants was a part of that ghetto. 
And Mm -hmm. when, you know, suburbs and things like that were able to be developed, they were able to use their whiteness to say, okay, you can either stay in the ghetto and where it's lacking resources, or you can go out to the suburbs where there are resources. And, you know, they chose to do that. And if they expanded, um, you know, their suburbs beyond the the, the fancy, you know, suburbs and chose to make trailer parks or whatever, because they didn't have maybe as much resources or money, they were still able to do that by choice, not by force. Okay. Um, th- this is one of my gotcha questions, but uh, I'm not going to assume that you don't know the answer. Um, can you name a, a white gang? Oh, yeah, the Aryan Nation. Okay. <laughs> Aryan Nation mm-hmm. um, is a white gang. Um, the <laughs> LAPD is a white gang. The NYPD <laughs> is a, a white gang. Most mm-hmm. of police forces... So- I feel you. So my, my my point is that I'm kind of you know insinuating or trying to allude to, is that with white people being the majority of the population, um, I'm not sure how much you've traveled, but one of the perks of the military is seeing the world at a different angle, mainly because you're forced to move. So I was raised upstate New York, and then I, I after high school I went down to Tennessee, Nashville area, worked down there for a while, then I joined the military from there. Then from there I went to Texas, lived there for two months. Then from there I went to Mississippi, stayed there for eight months. Then from there, I went to DC. I was there for four years. Then from there, I went to Alaska. I was there for 10 months. And then now I'm in New Mexico. And then recently I was in Florida for four months. And then I I spent uh, about a half a year in the Middle East. So, and like, you know, making stops in Germany, Kuwait, like, you know, Bahrain, like just kind of seeing a a fraction of the world. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed is that there's certain areas where I can't seem to find ghettos. I can't, even though I still find black people, there's certain areas where I can't seem to find gang violence or, or gang, you know, danger, if you will. Whereas you, you, there'll be like terrorist threats, like that's different in the Middle East. But like the, there's areas where I can't seem to find racist vibes. Middle East, like in, in Dubai and like, in like various areas in, like where most people just are ignorant to geographical realities. I can't seem to find the equivalent to white people killing each other the way black people are killing each other when there are more white people in this country, which I I mean, black people are 12% of the population. How is it that the white community with more white people, I mean, if, you, if you've been to LA or San Francisco and you see tent cities and how it's just massive broke people, massive poverty, massive, you know, displacement. And I can't seem to find the same level of gang violence, even though you will find drug use, you will find a lot of the same, you know, symptoms of poverty. But we can't seem to find the equivalent of what other community outside. Uh, I mean, maybe you can argue Mexicans um, that they have. And of course, we we tend to look at prisons and how it it kind of. It leaves the prison system and and goes to the street or vice versa. I'm not sure which one is the egg, which one's the chicken as far as does gang violence start on the streets and then go to the prisons or or is no gang violence necessity of prison because you're trying to survive. But typically outside of Mexicans, black people. And you mentioned the Aryan Nation. I think black people are dominating the violence sector. And I'm not sure what the the original reason is for for that. And you kind of touched on maybe a a few nuances of that or a couple of reasons, variables that that might be feeding that. But when we have poverty in other communities as well, you go to India, I can't name a single Indian gang. And maybe it's just due to my ignorance of just not being, not ever been going to the country or, I mean, I I watched documentaries. I watched two documentaries yesterday alone, just going to the gym in Amarillo, like just driving two hours. I can't seem to find the equivalent. And again, maybe it's just my ignorance itself, but I can't seem to say that, all right, black people are because of poverty, because of lack of fathers, 
I mean, stepfatherhood is it's universal. Like when they talk about the, the divorce rate, they're talking about the population of the U.S., not just the black community. And again, we're only 12 percent of the population, so I can't seem to blame. All right, those couple of variables, cool, but does that count for the entire reason that there's gang violence in in the black community alone, and how we are systematically killing each other way more than any cop, any gangs, such as LAPD, NYPD. There's no way that they're killing more of us than we're killing of ourselves. It's, the numbers aren't there. Your thought. But I, do you think that we're systematically killing each Do you think it's just um, proximity? Because um, um, I think I disagree with we're systemically killing each other. I think it's more um, of proximity. Uh, just like, I mean, if it's white people that live amongst white people, that's who they kill now. Like you said, and kind of what I'll agree with, too, um, it, it's just I think it's a lot of time our own ignorance of not being aware of the certain stuff because we can't deny the fact that media and all and, you know, those things will also put out certain narratives or certain rhetoric as well. Um in regard to like, OK, who's committing most of the crime or who's doing this or who's doing that? Like, for instance, I think about that. Fourth of July shooting that happened, um, and I think it was like Highland Park, Illinois, and where that kid had went out and you know it was, it was a mass shooting in Highland Park, Illinois mm-hmm. for the Fourth of July. And at first they were trying to say Chicago, 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 and to me that's trying to paint a narrative. You know what I'm saying? That okay, mm-hmm. Chicago is violent. Yes, okay, we got that. But then when once it came out. And it wasn't really Chicago. It was actually a certain suburb, you know, to Chicago. And it didn't have nothing to do with black people. That to me is what I I think of um, when it comes to like trying to why most people aren't aware of the other um, crimes or, you know, what other people are doing. Or like, for instance, when it was like an Oxford school shooting here in Michigan, they kept saying, oh, the Detroit, it was a Detroit school shooting, a Detroit school shooting. And Oxford is like at least 40 or 50 miles away from Detroit. So it's kind of like, you know, we can't deny the fact that the media is, you know, a, a form of propaganda that promotes certain narratives that, you know, make certain people look bad and make others look good. So... You know, I'm I, I'm not saying that it's not happening or that you don't see it, but it's just it's not something that if you're not in that, um, you know, we can't be everywhere at once. So we can't of course, mm-hmm. we can't see or know everything. But uh, when we talk about what's being put out there and what, you know, is being broadcasted to the masses, I'm never going to deny the fact that it is going to be something that is going to make black people and specifically black men look bad opposed to the people who are actually, you know, doing what they doing gotcha um can you name a genre of music um dominated by white people that glorifies gang violence uh not really and again these questions are they're not they're not meant to show proof it's just evidence Mm -hmm. when i think about the black community and how art the most popular genre of music in the world is hip-hop and how it's circular it circulates the world like you have commercials about Dove soap that have hip hop music in the background. I'm like, what, what, how is that, how is that possible when you don't think of Dove soap and black people, you think of cocoa butter and black people. Like there's certain brands that you just immediately associate with black people. When I think about how the hip hop genre includes gang violence to a level that you have white people joining in, you have different cultures that are just worlds away from us in terms of geographic locations. 
that are trying to adopt a lot of our culture dress like black people. You don't see black people dressing like Chinese people. I mean, you wouldn't know it if you saw it anywhere because how does a Chinese person dress? I think it's interesting how black people can have an entire genre of music that glorifies gang violence, but we can't name a, a country music or like rock music or pop music that glorifies gang violence. But here's here's my pushback on that. Who owns these record labels and is promoting this type of music um, or, or this type of um, entertainment per se? You know what I mean? Like it, it kind of reminds me of how women are always saying, um, oh, well, black women is always being sexualized, black women being sexualized in their music and in their performances. But it's black women who sign up with these white record labels who want them to put that type of music or want them to put that type of um, uh, media out there. And you can either say, yes, okay, I'm going to do it because I want to get the bag. Or you can say, you know what? No, I don't want to promote that message. I don't want to, um, you know, push that type of media because I know that that's not who black women are. I know that's not who black men are. So I don't want to push violent gang rap or I don't want to push this or that. And um, I think when I think of different mediums or forms of entertainment or things that we consume today, I always think about the lack of integrity in people because it's more mm. important for us to just get the bag, get the bag, no matter what is put being put out there to the masses, instead of saying, you know what, Mm-mm. I'm not about to go sign up for nothing, talking about kill this bee and slap that hoe. And you know what I'm saying? Mm. Because that's not who black people are, or that's not our culture, or that's not what I want to be put out there for people to see, or, you know, I think of reality shows, those different type of um, mediums that get put out there and, you know, kind of to the point you were saying, yeah, we could say, okay, but it's white people who own these record labels or it's white people who own these um, media companies. But at the same time, it's black people who are signing up knowing this and, you know, still doing it for the sake of entertainment. So I, when I think of it, I, it goes to me back to lack of integrity um, that has been mm-hmm. missing from our community for a long time for the sake of just getting a bag. I 100% agree. Um, and I'm not sure if you intended on agreeing with me in, in your summary, but again, that there's not a lot of your rhetoric that I disagree with. Um, and I, I think that that point is the biggest one, um, especially in regards to we don't have to take the money. Like you, you hear porn stars complaining about their agents and being recruited. And I'm like, did you take the money? And, and not to make light of like sexual assaults or sexual abuse in, in a lot of these arenas like Hollywood and Epstein, all these things, definitely a lot of abuse, especially in regards to minors and all, all these things. But in regards to adults who make decisions and when you have options, especially in a world of smartphones where everything is at your fingertips and you have people that are saying, well, I was shanked out of the hood. And so I decided to go sell drugs. And then I, from selling drugs, I decided to get into hip hop and I started rapping. And then somebody heard my freestyle and they signed me to a 360 deal and they gave me 10 grand. And then I was in debt, 100 grand. And it was just it right. magnified from there. But right. you still have people that like myself, like at no point, I think not, not only because I can't freestyle and I don't know how to rap, but I mean, it never dawned on me. And of course, I wasn't raised in the ghetto. I wasn't raised in the hood. So that, that might be a privilege of mine. Uh, a lot of people don't think black people have privileges, but that's definitely a privilege of mine to not be raised around that. Correct. But being raised in an army household, it dawned on me like maybe this is the path I'll take. And maybe that's the product of how gang violence continues is if you're raised in it, that's all you know. Yes. You're not exposed to alternatives. Like I've been to Key West like during COVID. I'm like, they're not living like most people. These people are acting like nothing's wrong. Like Correct. they're just 
uh, another mojito, please. And like, it's just different down there. The yachts, please refill. Uh, no, I don't, I don't care about gas prices. Fill the yacht up, please. It's, it's different. And so the, the, that might be a point there as far as why gang violence tends to continue is that people are being born into it. You know, a lot of it, two single mothers and then, you know, trying to prevent someone from going into gang violence, but they see the money, they see the resources there. Correct. That's definitely a thing. But of course, we have to go all the way back to the beginning and what caused that. Correct. And I think when you reference media and how media portrays us a certain way, you still have to look at the people that are taking the money. The people Correct. that are putting out and creating a whole genre, a billion dollar genre of gang violence or, 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 or sliding your hops or, or murder or sleeping around or sex, money, drugs, all these things. It's an entire genre that people are eating off of. And of course, the rest of us, you know, the, the 99% of us who are, aren't in that community in terms of creating that content, we suffer by it. Just like a lot of women, it's like, it's not people like yourself that are suffering because, you know, you know you're a single black woman, no kids. You're not part of the statistics that keep throwing around as far as black women are this, black women are that, especially in the negative aspect. But yeah, you're still affected by it. And people will look at you and say, well, she's a black woman. So I, I immediately have to think she's aggressive and loud and combative Correct. and argumentative. And like you've. Since I've known you for, in terms of communicating with you, it's been less than an hour that we've, <laughs> we've been talking and I haven't picked up any type of energy that I'm like, I don't want to be in the same, I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to engage with her. Right. Because you're exception. <laughs> but the exceptions always suffer because of the rule. And I think the, the rule has to be questioned as far as if we take that rule and say black people are oppressed because of white people or white oppression. I'm like, all right, well, we'll, we'll take a note on that. But let's look at what's feeding this fire internally and why is this fire continually i don't care who owns the company who is giving the the company the ability to make money because these companies get shut down immediately if they're not profitable the WNBA is holding on by a thread only because the WNBA the nba is subsidizing it and feeding feeding cash into it military will have broken airframes and we'll keep feeding money into it i'm like just Mm -hmm. do away with it start over i'm like nope we're gonna pour money pour money into it as long as the black community is killing each other and we're creating songs about it and we're creating <clears> music <throat> videos about it and bad girls club and, and you know, we, we have three women going to a restaurant and tearing that junk up from the roots just because they didn't get the right sauce or some foolishness. And the, that's what's going to get the most clicks, obviously, because media, they don't care about positivity. They care about what gets, you know, profits. I think that's, I think that's where we have to kind of cut off the, the head of the snake. And I don't think there's any incentive to as long as people are getting paid, because as much as we Correct. talk about togetherness and the black community, we're all out for ourselves. And as long as I get the bag, as long as I get my check, as Correct. long as my money come through and my kids are fed, my family's fed, we don't care about the, the next person. I'm like, bro, that's my ops. And, and so that's I, why I, I think... said lack of integrity. And that's why I said lack of integrity sure. in people, period. Because like, like you said, it's not just to say, oh, it's only white people. Because, yeah, they did oppress us. But to a certain degree, now we're oppressing ourselves by continuing the cycle, like you said, by like... Mm-hmm. Like, um, like I said, not only just the person that's putting the content out there, but okay, the person consuming the content, you know what I'm saying? Because if I'm listening to Cardi B talking about pop this and wop that, then that speaks to my integrity as a person, because why am I even wanting to consume something like that, that makes me look Mm -hmm. bad. And that's why, you know, I know for me, I, I stopped listening to all of that type of stuff because it is a fine line between, okay, what's entertainment and, and what's reality. And I think Mm -hmm. you made a very good good point because I came from kind of a similar background. Um, I I wasn't like a born to a teen mom or anything. And even though I was raised by a single mother, my father was still present in my life. And that always 
made, I think made the difference between me and people that I see around me or my peers, because like you said, I, to a certain degree had privilege in regard to, I was never homeless. I was never, lights mm-hmm. wasn't ever cut out. I always had my needs met. I always had everything that I wanted. And you know, when I got out in the real world and found out, wait, people being sexually assaulted by their family, wait, it's teen mothers. I was confused. Yeah. And I was thinking that that was kind of like the underbelly of our community. I was like, well, that's just some ghetto stuff. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't, yeah. that ain't me. But then yeah. I had to realize at the same time, we share image. So it don't matter if I think I'm yeah. better than somebody. Society sees us as that's just a black person or they just the ghetto yeah. black people or they, she allow angry black woman, like you said. And, and that, kind of like shifting off to another top um kind of another subject it was kind of like i had to i questioned my blackness i'm like well mm-hmm. well i ain't black then because hell if you're telling me black people had to be poor and they had to struggle am mm-hmm. i really black and it wasn't until i started exploring like you said other places and other communities and seeing like oh okay so hmm to dig deeper in the truth as to why or how did we even get this um narrative of okay black people just ghetto or they this or they're mm-hmm. that and 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 i was like because like that ain't who when i look in the past i don't see sojourner truth and coretta scott king and all of these great grand people mm-hmm. that was back in the day they wasn't doing ghetto stuff so where did this <laughs> net up narrative come from that we just ghetto baby mamas hood rats you know what i'm saying and why mm-hmm. are we now so enthralled with that 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 that's the image that we want to perpetuate so Thanks. you know i I agree with you on that. Like I, I, I had a totally, I was totally removed. I didn't have a clue about none of this. I'm like, wait, huh? And, but now, like I said, I, I've, I've always been an open-minded person to try to dig deeper um, for the truth and try to understand mm-hmm. why. Like I always ask why, well, why are we the angry black women? Why are we getting called ghetto? Why are black people poor? Why are we, you know, getting locked up in prison? Why? And, and you have yeah. to keep asking yourself to dig deeper to understand, you know, because if not, you just let somebody, oh, yeah, black people, y'all just dumb. Y'all just this and that. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah we, we just dumb then. OK, well, let me go be doing dumb stuff because that's just what they said I was. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and you, your shirt speaks volumes as far as accountability is concerned. Um, and it, it pairs perfectly with integrity. Um, but I think one thing that could be added to accountability is exposure. And there's n- really no excuse in 2022 with, I have two MacBook Pros on my desk. 100%. I got iPhone, I got iPads everywhere. 100%. And most people got at, at, at the bare minimum, a smartphone from two, three years ago. At the bare minimum, we got an extra smartphone laying in the drawer. So exposure to like uh, the last uh, young lady I interviewed, um, she, she came from the Bay Area and again, kind of raised with a you know silver spoon type element like you know just never really went lacking for much and when she went to Atlanta moved from Bay Area to Atlanta and she moved to Buckhead or like the one the higher up you know suburb areas and she saw black people living there and black people living in fancy houses two-story three-story right. brick houses you know beautiful cars in the driveway black families black luxury black you know middle class to high upper class you know lifestyles it was culture shock for her because she had never seen black people living that way. And I right. personally have never seen that. I've been to Atlanta before, but I've never been to Buckhead area. I stayed downtown. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm always downtown. Like I go to New York City, mm-hmm. I'm in Manhattan. Like I'm always downtown. <laughs> but just, I think a lot of black people need to be exposed to something Correct. and make that seem desirable. Although, and I'm not a huge fan of this normalized conversation where we're trying to make things normal. Whatever's normal is normal now. And unfortunately, the only way it changes is that the majority of people want something different 
And mm-hmm. so and, until black people stop wanting to consume little baby gonna, you know, correct bond little Dirk. I mean, that's what we want. Meek Mill, that's what we want. We talk about the trenches. You know, we out here, you know, blowing smoking, we sliding the rocks and all this stuff. And unfortunately, it's so entertaining. And I, I admit myself, when I go to the gym, I'm not listening to poetry. Exactly. I'm listening to my niggas drop bars <laughs> and going off on it. Where I slide on my... It, it makes me angry listening you. to it. I feel it's you. Just, and so it's hard to escape. So I, I think accountability is, is one thing. But I think human nature is, is the next level where we have to kind of correct our own nature and say, Correct. no, I don't want to listen to hip hop. I want to listen to something that's not violent. And I Correct. don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. And um, like you so said, it, it's, it's unfortunate. Go ahead. I was going to say, like you said, it's, it's, it's more so like, and I think when I say integrity, integrity is kind of like the umbrella word for it all in regard mm-hmm. to how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about each other, our levels of selfishness, um, those type of things. And I think what, what I keep thinking of is last year I went to New Orleans and um, I love New Orleans and it was like mm-hmm. still kind of yeah. in the middle of COVID, but so things are kind of weird, but I was with yeah. two of my homegirls and they wanted to go, um, it was this plantation tour that we could go on. And they was like, well, we should go to the plantation tour. And I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want to do all that. I don't feel like being oppressed. I'm trying to be here to eat. I'm trying to have a good time. And and they and of course, majority brew. So we end up going. And Mm. when I tell you, I was so happy that they wanted to go because it totally changed. It it started making everything that I already had been working on or thinking about or researching. It made it make so much sense. And it just was so powerful and just so. Moving to me to to go and literally stand on a plantation where people, my ancestors, I mean, my, my people ain't from Louisiana, but so our ancestors once were to be standing in like on the soil where they once were. And I'm sitting here, I'm able to have on clothes and whatever I want to wear. I got on comfortable shoes. Mm. I got bottles of water. I, you know, I ain't nobody about to come beat me or with me. It was just powerful. And, and, and I know people are, oh, I'm an empath. I'm an empath. But <laughs> I, I could feel it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could mm. feel, I felt so many emotions, even when we were driving up to the place. Like, you couldn't see anything around. It was a bunch of grass, a bunch of trees, the, of course, yeah. the long Mississippi River. And it just, it, I felt afraid. I felt, like, angry. I felt sad. I felt a, a lot of emotions. And then to actually stand on that soil and then look around and see and read the different facts. They had different um, uh, recounts from enslaved people and they had their names there and they, you know, had, um, you know, excerpts from they like from their own miles and to see the different, the different um, levels of like um, education, like some of the people, you know, they had good English and proper English, but mm-hmm. others, others of them didn't. And to just really see all of that, to see these people's names, to see, you know, how much they sold them for all of that just really brought something out of me. And I'm just like, wow, how did we go from that to now we hate each other to now we talking about, yeah. we don't need men and men ain't us and Oh, black men ain't this. And black men is oppressing us when, Black men was the ones protecting us during that time or they couldn't even protect themselves. They was getting beat and raped and things like that, too. And, and it just really I mean, it really moved me because I'm just like, how in the hell did we get to 
this point today, like you said, where we're perpetuating killing each other, where we're talking about, mm -hmm. yeah, sliding on the op and running this and that, and I slapped that B up in her, you know, how did yeah. we get to that when this is what our people were? And Back. and it just really, I mean, it really made me have to start, again, digging deep and digging inward and really change um, and unlearn a lot of the stuff that I was taught or whether it was consciously or unconsciously or just by the way, because I'm just like, this is not who we are. We ain't hoes and, you know, laying yeah. up having sex with people and wop this and wop that. That's not who we were. And and if we were those people, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be able to stand here today. So yeah. how it, it was to me like we being so it's like almost like we spitting on these people's graves um, today mm -hmm. by being so disrespectful um, in our actions and, and alone how we treat one another. And it just really, it just really moved me as it was the Whitney plantation down in Louisiana. If anybody ever visited New Orleans, I would recommend any black person or any white person for that matter to go visit and just really see and, and really feel, you know, the yeah. people that was here before us. Facts. Yeah. I, um, I recently had some training in, uh, Keesler Air Force Base in Mississippi, and the environment of the state in general. And we're going to get off this topic. Um, okay. Yeah, sure. I know. I know. This um, is my. This yeah, this is, is heavy as hell. But, uh, <laughs> it is. I uh, love stuff like this. I'm sorry. I ain't mean to. <laughs> listen, and I, I really have these conversations because I tend to be alone in these opinions. But yeah, the, the state of Mississippi, and then of course I, I went over to New Orleans, um, and it was just it's a weird vibe that you merely pick up, um, and is what was missing. And this is the weird thing. Like I was in Abu Dhabi in the Dubai area. And you, it was just, it wasn't over there. I couldn't pick up on the energy of, let me just drive slowly to this, this neighborhood. There might be somebody watching. You know, like, mm -hmm. There's a negress over in that car over there. Right. Let, me, let me call the call 12. In New Orleans and Mississippi, there's an energy down there. that I'm like, I don't like this energy. The houses look a certain way. And of course, it's been portrayed in, you know, the color purple and all, all these slave movies where I'm like, I'm, I've never seen color purple all the way through, mainly because I, I couldn't get through to. the first couple minutes. It's just no. too much. And I'm like, I, I'm grateful to be, and this is like a lot of rhetoric from the white community. I'm like, all right, all these black people kneeling about the national anthem. And of course we have our struggles and we have our, our moments where my day might come where I'm, I'm getting kneeled on and somebody whoop my ass in the street. It, it may come, but I, I, I attribute that to the danger of this world, the dangerous levels of free will that are attributed to humans and their agency where humans can make decisions and that decision could be right or wrong. Mm. I'm not quick to blame entire demographic and say all white people are out to get us because of the few. Because the same thing can be said about black people or the few people that are in gangs in terms of percentage, we attribute that to all black people. Or the few black women that tear up a restaurant, we attribute that to all black women. Or the few black women who are argumentative or loud or you know abrasive or twerking on Instagram, we attribute that to all black women. We can't do that same thing with white people and expect to remain rational and logical. It just doesn't make sense. And so when I hear blanket terms like white supremacy or, you know, the, the whole system is out to get me. I'm like, I think that's the few people that we're talking about. And of course there's people in power where those people have a greater or larger impact on a set of people or a group of persons. But I'm very slow to say, all right, I know I have accountability, but the system won't let me save my money. The system won't let me invest. I'm like, it's just not true. We, we can all invest from our phones. We all can buy land from our phones. We all can buy cars, houses, property, start businesses from our phones. And yet we use our phones to record fights and, mm -hmm. and, and start OnlyFans. I'm like, it's just, it's not true. It's right, just not right, true. Right. We have opportunity. And I think the outcomes are always going to be different based on 
the decisions that we make versus we, we blame white people and their skin. I'm like, yes, they used to have power over us, but I think we're trending in the right direction when we have a black president and a, a seemingly, you know, I think she's Indian, but black skinned vice president. I think we're trending in the right direction. There's a black first lady, black kids living in that white house. We're trending in the right direction. I, we're not going backwards. We're not getting less black people in the white house. We're getting more. Um, there's bl more black people in the Senate, more black people in the house, more black people in the Supreme court, not less. So I think if we were to imagine a country that used to have slavery of black black people or Africans, how would, how would a country that's, that's making progress look? There would be growing pains, but it would look exactly like the U.S., where it's not perfect and it's never going to be perfect. 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, a black person will get killed by a, black, a white cop, justified or not. It's going to be a thing 100 years from now. It's never going to be eradicated because there's going to be somebody that's going to blame racism or somebody's going to blame the fact that he was doing something illegal either way there's going to be a debate there's going to be a court case it's going to be live streamed even more so than it is now it's going to be a thing so it's never going to go away completely but like your shirt says i'm, I'm always going to point if i do something wrong or if my life is the way it is right now or i'm making a live stream on a, on thursday morning i'm going to blame myself for the way my life is right now the road trip i'm about to take anything that goes wrong I blame myself. If I get pulled over for speeding and then I get shot because of that, I'm blame myself. And of course, you know, I'll be dead anyway, but it, it won't matter. But the point is, I think there's a lot of variables to account for outside of blaming it, the color of somebody's skin, because we hate that ourselves for our skin being blamed because of something that the few people or a small percentage of people are doing. Yeah, that's correct. And I think, and the last thing that I'll mention about this is I think the problem is, is people... Words matter. I'm a huge person about semantics. Nice. The words that you use matter. So I think that, you know, words like racism and white supremacy and systemic racism have been watered down because people use them so much and out of place. Mm -hmm. And and when I think of white supremacy, to me, white supremacy is an ideology. It's a mindset. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily because of the color of your skin, because in my opinion, we got a lot of dark skinned white supremacists. Mm -hmm. um, in our own community, um, feminism, black feminists, those to me are dark skinned yeah. white supremacists. So I don't necessarily think that, yeah, just because somebody is white, they bad or they going to do this or they going to do that. Um, but it's the ideas, the mindset, um, of, of white supremacy. Um, and it's, it's, it's not something that you can see. It's not tangible. So a lot of time people throw it out there. They misuse it. Oh, they being racist. Oh, he looked at me the wrong way. He racist. Oh, she she told mm -hmm. me to stop this. And so she racist. And it's like it's kind of like the story of the boy who cried wolf. If you keep crying wolf, yeah. nobody's going to eventually believe you. So I think that is why, um, you know, now, you know, those words get thrown out there and people are just like, oh, well, whatever. Or, you know, kind of like what you said, it's, it's like, oh, well, if something happened, I'm not going to not blame myself for it. But it is because people have used the word so, so much and so interchangeably and out of place that they don't. And they're just saying it to, I think, avoid accountability in certain degrees. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like a cop out, but it's like, OK, yeah. you're using it so much that now it, the real meaning has gotten watered down or people don't Thanks. even believe that it's real. Or, you know, even people in our own community who don't believe that we're being oppressed or whatever, because people just use the word so much and so loosely. So that's facts. Yeah, that's facts. Um, moving on to something a little right. bit lighter. Sorry. Right, sorry, right, really, changing you know, gears. We, we didn't went back a couple generations. <laughs> right, just, right. You know, <laughs> 
<laughs> shout out to all the, the youngins that, that went on to the next level. Right. Um, Andrew Tate, I have no doubt in my mind that you've seen at least one of Andrew Tate's videos because he has attacked the algorithm of TikTok like no one He's else. Funny. Um, his, him and his munching and, and the, the, the folk that he has, you know, supporting him, you know, selling courses and what have you. Um, he's been all over my time. I've reset my cash on TikTok multiple times just because at, at one point I thought he had one TikTok account and so I followed it. And then I'm like, wait, there's it keeps popping up. So maybe he has three accounts. I'm like, and I, I had like 10 Tate accounts that I was following. I'm like, bro, this is too much. Like one <laughs> one Tate is enough as somebody who agrees with 99% of things he says. You know, the spiritual successor of Kevin Samuels, what have you, he's kind of taken the, the baton and, and ran with it as far as mm -hmm. Manosphere content or what, what have you. Mm -hmm. But good Lord, like, I, I've kind of had my feel of like, all right, I, I he's repeating a lot of the same rhetoric. And again, I'm a fan of his, but it's just been a lot. But what are your thoughts on Andrew Tate um, and his, you know, spiritual succession of Kevin Samuels? To be honest, I don't really know much about him. Um, I've seen videos, um, the first like videos I've seen of him is when he was sitting across from like a British woman. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't even know who I, I saw that she, yeah, I see. Yeah. That's the only type of exchanges that I've seen of him. And that's kind of it. And ever since then I have seen like clips of him in there uh, blowing up, but so I can't, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I agree with some of the stuff he says from like what I, um, you know, did see, but mm -hmm. I, I mean, I just, I think he comes from <laughs> kind of like a, just a traditional, actual patriarchal um place because i think he's from romania or something right he's actually black well he, he's mixed his dad was black his his mom was uh white i believe but he lives in oh. romania currently but i believe he's oh, from, okay he's from dc or something he, he's from america oh, okay, he's american okay okay okay, okay, he, okay, he okay. just he moved over there when he was a child yeah oh i see okay yeah so i mean yeah but other, i mean i just i don't really know too much about him but i I don't know. I mean, I, th I just think a lot of people, I think a lot of people um, kind of, it's kind of, and kind of the same with like Kevin Samuels, people aren't really willing to do the work. They just kind of want somebody that they can kind of idolize and, and kind of like, a, um, like reinforce maybe what they're feeling or yeah. their experiences instead of actually mm -hmm. taking what the person is saying and like trying to better themselves or trying to improve yeah. themselves. And so, you know, as far as like, I guess him take taking Kevin Samuel's place, that's, I guess where I could see that being like people just kind of looking for another person to kind of like idolize instead of taking a bigger message, which is okay. Men need to put themselves in a position where, you know, they can call the shots or, you know, basically get back in a position of power because feminism has been killing the community and society over the last five, six, seven decades. And that's really what the bigger picture is and the bigger message is. That's fair. That's fair. Um, it's my argument. I not, This is not coming from me. I, I heard it somewhere, but it was the argument of that most people, if not all people are just, I'll say 99% of people are afraid and just looking for direction. And I think when people like Kevin Samuels come along, Again, I think Kevin Samuels really sparked the podcast revolution, especially in the black community, where it's just honestly a lot, a lot of people repeating his rhetoric or repeating Patrice O'Neill's rhetoric or Thomas Tom Tom Likas rhetoric. Again, Kevin Samuels was on first as you made light, you kind of you highlighted, um, and so I think most people are just kind of they need somebody to lead and say, well, because he can do it and he's rich and he's tall and he's handsome and he's successful with women and he has companies then he can say those things. But a person who's just kind of average works at Walmart, who's five, seven, who's, you know, below average in most cases or average in most cases, 
they always have to have somebody else to point to because the women won't listen to us. And like, oh, you just, you were in the Air Force and you just, you work and you made staff sergeant, you promote, you know, all these things. And, you know, the people are slower to listen to someone who's just kind of blending in with the crowd versus the person who is leading the crowd. And of course, all the attacks go to that person in front, like Kevin Samuels got attacked and Andrew Tate's being attacked. And again, I, I agree with 99% of things that they both said. Um, there's very little I disagree with, but I think all of us are kind of, we need that one person to take lead, to take all the hits and to be that leader that if something goes wrong, they get in trouble and we just sit in the crowd. I'm like, well, it was, they said it. I didn't say it. Um, <laughs> like you just blame them for everything. But of course, they reap the, the rewards of it because, you know, they get all the money, the attention, all the resources that come from that. Um, but I definitely agree with that. I think a lot of people are just, they're in search of somebody to go ahead for them. And then they can kind of just echo their sentiments. I'm like, well, that's my champion. Uh, right. I choose Andrew Tate to go ahead and say all these things. And then, you know, whether or not you agree with it or not, I still defend them because they represent me, even if it's just a little bit, their voice will be heard a lot more than if I said the same exact thing. Like, there are a lot of women who've entered Red Pill spaces saying the exact wording of any other white man or black man saying the same thing. But because they're a woman and it's a different source and they are different by design, they blow up. And I'm like, that's just how the world works. Like, I, if I talk about conservatism or republicanism or being a Republican or if I talk about white supremacy and like how it's not real or something, I blow up instantly. But I don't agree with all their ideologies. So I, I, I tend to address topics. I, I tend to address arguments themselves. But I know there's a money grab to just disagree with everything black people say. And all, all right. the white people just, oh, let's defend him at all costs. And we got to protect Isaiah because he's championing white people. I know there's a money grab there. But right. again, I like my legacy to be intact. And I'm, like, I, I'm not here to just pick one side and ride with it. I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican. I'm a libertarian. Right. I, I'm, I'm logical. I'm rational. I'm an intellectual. And so um, Andrew Tate's a very interesting person. Um, there, again, there's not much I disagree with him with. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I think there's always going to be somebody leading the charge in any given ideology or arena. And he just happened to be that person at this time. And you know what? That's the other thing that that's the other thing that I don't like about the Internet, because, again, these spaces <laughs> like TikTok, YouTube, whatever, mm. like, to be honest with you, I don't see this stuff in real life. Like, I know people yeah. like people. I've seen people say that before. And I'm like, mm, no, this stuff do happen in real life. But when I what I don't see in real life is these actual like. Oh no, I'm red pill. Oh no, I'm alpha. Oh no, like yeah. that doesn't happen in real life. And so I think the other Next. problem with the internet, with both men and women, and specifically in our generation, is that so many of us are we don't want to confront reality and like mm -hmm. an actual reality. So we get on the internet, we get in these spaces, we get in these echo chambers, and it's a it provides a sense of comfort for us, and it provides an alternate reality for us to not have to deal with what's actually going on in real life you know what i'm saying mm. and i think that's the problematic thing because like to, like you said to your point the regular average um guy you know will say oh well i'm a champion this person as my leader or that person as my leader but in my opinion i feel like men period i don't care if you work at walmart or if you work at a ceo of a fortune 500 company you're supposed to be your own leader in your own family and in your own community you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and and when i think about again the past back in the day 
it wasn't granddad didn't have to have six figures and six inches and six pack to be a leader yeah. and you know what i'm saying and to lead like martin mm -hmm. luther king didn't have to have six figures to make stuff shake malcolm x didn't have to have khalid muhammad didn't have to have six figures to make things shake so it's like mm -hmm. I, I think those things is become it's, it's literally only on the internet and people are not yeah. dealing with the stuff in real life that is actually going on like <laughs> it's, it's like an alternate reality um, that we yeah. use to escape actual reality. That's why 80% of the kids is born out of wedlock. That's why actual stuff is going on and no no things are getting solved because we all on the internet arguing, talking about it in, in a different, in the virtual reality. Like, <laughs> yeah. And like you hear from, especially from a lot of men where you hear like, no, if she's not this, if she's not this spec as far as, you no, know, she weighs 120 pounds. She's a, a five foot seven model. You know, long flowing hair. You know, she she kisses me every single morning. Breakfast on the table. I'm not gonna right. date her. I'm not gonna have sex with her. Right. Like, it's cat. Nobody it's cat because is... if you go to Walmart, I'm like this is what this is what I'm I'm seeing. Like this doesn't match what people talk about. Same thing. I was at Walmart yesterday, and I'm like, and I I had a thought. I'm like, I'm gonna see how many of these couples have a man that's shorter than the woman, because I'll, you hear all the rhetoric about like women being. You know, I, I need a man that's six foot tall or above. Yes. Like, I'm just going to see how many couples in here have a man shorter. And of course, in New Mexico, it's mostly Mexican population. So seeing short men, it's not nothing new. But it was just overwhelming. I'm like, most of these couples have imbalances in relation to what's on the internet. And so exactly. I, I think you're right that I think a lot of people, there's a reason there's an incentive to talk a certain way on the internet. Um, and the same thing with me, the same thing with you, where like we all have imbalances like I, I can't logically back up why I love DoorDash. There's no rational reason why I want to spend $50 for two sandwiches. But the fact that that junk comes to my door, I'm like, Ray, defend, defend yourself of why you just spent $50 for two sandwiches. I'm like, listen, I don't have a, a good reason, man, outside of convenience and laziness, man. But I, I need these crumbs in the bed ASAP, you understand? Like, get you a cook. Bring me the food, man. Listen, it would probably be cheaper to get a chef that just it lives in the crib. Would. But DoorDash is on 10, like, no matter where I'm at, that DoorDash be on, I'm like, bro, bring it through, hurry up, you understand? So I, I think we all have those areas of our lives where we say one thing, we do another, and I'm like, no, save your money, invest your money, Roth IRA, traditional IRA, compound interest, let, let it grow over time, and then we're like, but then let me get those, let me get those AirPods, bro, because those junks look dope, and then let me get those junks, like, that don't match your actions, but I, I think as humans, we all want what we shouldn't have, we all pursue what we shouldn't have, and I think that's just more evidence that temptation exists and that is prevalent mm -hmm. in our society. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you, um, you, you made a good point. I just came back from Colombia and Dang. it was plenty of couples. It was, it was plenty of couples. I mean, they, <laughs> the same height. I mean, it's, yeah. it was men, you know, they, it was a ton of men everywhere. And, um, and, and, you know, good looking guys and dark hell darker than me. And, yeah. and I, and I'm just thinking in my head, like, wow, these men wouldn't be good enough for, you know, us here in America, specifically black women. Mm -hmm. Cause, oh, he not tall enough. Or, oh, he, he a garbage man. Mm -mm, I don't, <laughs> he ain't got no degree. Oh girl. He, yeah. mm -mm. And, you know, and it, again, it makes me think about when I visited the plantation, was it the fact that the men didn't have a degree that, that, you know, 
provided protection and all of that for their families or was it the fact that they were men and they could provide, you know, and, and have each other's back because we was vulnerable to being lynched or hanged or any of that type of stuff? Was it the fact that, you know, did we really need six figures to protect and provide for a family? Yeah. Did they really need a six pack? And it wasn't all of that at all. Um, you know, I, I, I blatantly remember this one couple that I saw and the guy, they, it's a lot of street vendors and stuff. And the guy had a, um, he had his family there. And then um, later when I was coming back to my hotel, I seen the um, the same like little family and the guy was pushing the cart and he had his wife and his kids inside the cart. You know, he walking, pushing the cart, pushing all of them in the cart so they don't got to walk. And I'm just like, Goodness. that. that's just, I mean, like, that's just amazing to me. I'm like, wow, mm. like this. So this is good enough for this woman and she got kids for this man and they yeah. looking out for each other. But in America, oh, girl, if he ain't got a yeah. if he ain't got a Lamborghini, I can't do it. <laughs> if he ain't got an Escalade, if he ain't putting mm. premium in it, I can't do yeah. it. It's like, you know, is that what it's really about? <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? And it's, and it's not at all. So, yeah, yeah, that was just really interesting to me to see. Like, it's yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that I think the the technical term would be uh, cognitive dissonance, where we yes. think one thing, we know the right answer, yes. and then we do differently. Um, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Um, in regards to, uh, you kind of made reference to feminism previously. Um, do, do, I, I think it has a major role to play in today's society. Um, now, as it's commonly in, in terms of the most modern or most accurate dictionary, or if you ask any rational feminist, they would say it's just about equal rights. Um, can you name anything that currently women are, are dealing with that from, from your perspective as someone I, I consider to be rational or objective, is there anything that women are suffering by that they don't currently have in relation to rights, you know, compared no. to men? No, no, nothing. <laughs> no, I, I actually would argue that females got more rights than men today, to be no. honest. Um, and and I would even argue against that um, definition that feminism was about equality because what we don't talk about is we talk about feminism like kind of at the tail end, like the third and fourth waves of feminism, like around the 50s and the 60s. Mm. But what a lot of people don't know about is feminism, the idea of feminism and women's rights actually started in 1848 at the first women's rights convention in Seneca Falls, New York. And that started, um, so it was a, a lady named Elizabeth Caddy Statton. That's who I would call the godmother of feminism. And mm. Elizabeth Caddy Statton, she came from a pro-slavery family. Um, her father was a lawyer. Um, I believe her mother had came from, um, you know, family and antebellum slavery, that type of thing. So they were pro-slavery. And Elizabeth, she had, I think it was like 11 or 12 of them. And all of the brothers died before they had even reached adulthood. <laughs> so it's not funny. So all of the brothers died before they reached adulthood. Now, that's important because her father was basically like devastated and upset about that because as a man, okay, if you don't have no sons, you don't have nobody to carry on your legacy, mm -hmm. right? And back in that time, if they're pro-slavery, you don't have nobody to pass the slaves to and keep that going. So he, to her, shared a sentiment, you know, of sadness or whatever that he didn't have no more sons. So she internalized that. Elizabeth Caddy Stanton internalized that and was like, you know what? I'm going to do anything a man can do. 
<laughs> and that's where the idea of I want to be like a man started. And so she, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, came from a pro-slavery family and got with a man. I forgot what her husband's name was, but his last name was Stanton. James Stanton, I think. And mm-hmm. he was actually a Quaker and an abolitionist. And they got together. It's like the tell of two cities. Wait, you a pro-slavery, <laughs> but then you an abolitionist? Yeah. So they well, actually got together. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So they actually celebrated their honeymoon in 1840. They went. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called the World Anti-Slavery Convention in London. So he was going to the, to go to the convention, but it doubled as their honeymoon. Mm-hmm. So, okay, it's 1840. They go to this convention. She can't get in because she's a woman. Then right. they said, okay, well, we'll let her in, but she can't vote or, you know, she can't really speak on this. Now, instead of her just, you know, succeeding and saying, all right, cool, I'm going to just, you know, chill back because I'm just here for support for my husband anyway. She basically threw a hissy fit and got upset and caused a big scene because she couldn't get in. Um, or because she couldn't participate. And so when she went back to America, she like, okay, I'm going to do something about this because it's just not fair. It's just not fair that I couldn't participate because I'm a woman. Even though <laughs> it was a, a war, it was an anti-slavery convention, she comes back to America and make it being about a woman. So mm-hmm. then her, another woman named Lucretia Mott that she met at the convention, she was also a Quaker And Lucretia Mott had some other women that she would have a tea party with. These women were all Quakers. And to a degree, the Quakers, they were abolitionists. So they were trying to abolish slavery. But when they invited Elizabeth to their tea party one day, Elizabeth was like, well, F slavery. We women. We need we need to fight for our rights. We women. We we got to do this. And so Mm -hmm. they basically at the end of their tea party, they had put together a whole convention that kind of mirrored the convention that they left eight years earlier. And they had the first women's rights convention in Seneca Falls in 1848, where they discussed their sentiments and grievances and what they wanted to see happen for them as women in 1848. And their declaration of sentiments actually mirrored the declaration of independence that mm-hmm. was, you know, still being drafted and put together, you know, trying to get black people rights and get them unenslaved. And mm-hmm. so that is that's actually the start of feminism. So in my opinion, um, it, it wasn't ever about equality. It was kind of about entitlement because here it was mm-hmm. a woman who, you know, came from a well to do family. And then she ended up getting with a man who clearly didn't have the same values as she had. And, and she kind of um, tainted his or tainted what he had going on. And the other women um, that she ended up meeting with, she kind of tainted their their purpose or whatever they were doing and made it kind of about her. Because then she mm-hmm. got um, she compared being a wife and a mother to slavery. She was upset that she had to take care of her husband and her children because her husband ended up getting sick and things like that. So she basically compared being a wife and a mother to slavery. And if you think about today, I'm not cooking, I'm not cleaning, I'm not about to just be. That's where that idea and that's where that mindset comes from. So, yeah, like that's that's 
So that's that's why I don't believe in feminism. And I don't even believe that it was a fight for equality because the woman who who championed for this and made it go, her mindset wasn't about trying to be equal to a man. She was basically internalizing something that her dad said to her and made it about her. Hmm. So, yeah, that's that's, that's what a lot of people don't know about feminism. I actually did a video about this on my, one of my little very few videos I got on YouTube. But yeah, that was one of my videos I did talking about that because we we don't know. And I didn't know about that either. I mean, I I had to do some digging yeah. and I'm like, where did this come from? So, so yeah. And by the way, her, her, her channel will be uh, plugged in the, the title of this video. But um, yeah, that's definitely interesting. Um, I mean, history, it's my belief that history is a study of perception and that the further you go back, the more you're deceived, mainly because it's just it's more and more of storytelling that you have to kind of figure out the facts and, and what's actually true versus what people added to the story to make it more interesting or what people took right. out to make it more believable. Um, and so you're always struggling with perception of the first person who witnessed it, who lived it. And then they tell a story and the fish story may or may not apply. Then the person that heard it, they heard what they wanted to hear or they heard what, what they did hear. And then they reinterpreted it and say, well, that's what I think they meant. And they, they wrote right. it down or they told somebody. And you add thousands of years to that. And you end up to today where someone believes something based on what they think happened, what somebody told them. And you end up with all this misinformation. It's never right. ending. Um, but in regards to feminism, um, it's my belief that Roe versus Wade um, and being that it was sent back to the states and it was removed from the federal level as far as, you know, it, it's validity um i think currently men and women both have equal rights in regards to assuming they're in a state that has outlawed abortion they now have the same rights as women or the same rights as men um being that neither one of us are allowed to abort a child your thoughts on, on roe versus wade uh, i'm not here to completely i'm one of those people that sits on the fence because i don't care about abortion whatsoever as long as it's not my child. Um, I'm one of those people that just sits out and I sit, sit on the beach, mind my business, sipping on my stuff, and I observe <laughs> the chaos as it happens. And I'm like, I don't care what y'all do as long as it doesn't involve me. <laughs> and of course, I always talk about how accountability starts with, all right, if I put my my member into someone else's member and I ejaculate my, my DNA, of course, that's my responsibility. That's my, that's my decision making. And of course, it's consensual, all these different variables you got to include there. But as it starts first with, all right, if I want my outcomes to be appropriate or to be rational or to be peaceful, choose wisely who you engage with, Brad. So it starts with me first. And like, if you approach somebody who's just giving away for free and then you get her pregnant and now she coming for your bank statements, of course you're going to take this L, Brad. Like, you knew what you was doing, Brad. You saw easy money and then you took it and you realized, all right, yeah, this stuff was hot. Now you're going to take this L for the next 18 to 20 years, whatever. But beyond that, let's assume that you haven't been deceived and you, you thought you pursued correctly. Once a man ejaculates, he has zero rights to what happens after that. And I think a lot of men have lived in the world where we just, whatever happens, happens. I'll be waiting for the child support garnishments. What if that happens? Or I'll wait for her lawyer to contact my lawyer. But at, there's never a point where men just decide, I don't want to be a parent. I know I had sex with you consensually. I know I ejaculated my, my person upon your person, and I know you know you've conceived a you know a fetus or a child or embryo, whatever you want to call it. All these again, semantics one on one. But I, at no point does a man get to decide. I don't want to be a parent. Whereas women had the right to choose Correct. 
and still have the right in certain states. If I want to be a parent, I can decide I don't want to be a parent. So I think if you're in a state where you don't have the right to choose, you're now equal to men. And so I, I think you're right that, that there's a lot of rights that women have. And I'm not here. To, I'm not going to try to list them because I don't think it's a lot. Um, but I think in reality, we've observed women have some rights that men don't have. And that's definitely not equality. But again, back to my original premise, which I don't think I mentioned yet. I think men and women are different. And I think we, we live are. different lives because we're designed and created Correct. differently. Correct. It's a privilege to have a child. Men Correct. don't get to experience that. We Correct. are different by design to solve two different problems or different problems in general. And we complement each other very well. Um, but yeah, your thoughts on Roe versus Wade and, and how it's currently. So, um, again, telling off feminism, reproduction rights, immigration, sexual liberation, all of those are extension of feminism. Um, so when it comes to it comes to Roe versus Wade, um, I, kind of, I at first I had similar sentiments like you, like, well, as long as it don't affect me, it don't matter. But then I had to realize that individually we are all a part of a collective so to a degree mm. things that we do individually do affect all of us um mm. kind of like what we were speaking about earlier like okay yeah you got that one ghetto girl and because you share a reflection with her it does affect you to a certain degree um mm. and and so um i changed my views around around that now i 100 percent agree with you that people should be more responsible and um who they sleep with and lay down with unprotected. Um, so I think that Roe versus Wade being overturned, first of all, I'm glad that it was because how are we going to make something a constitutional right, but it don't apply to everybody that's supposed to be in the constitution. Men can't abort yeah. children. So how is that a fair law to put in place to, to make a federal decision on? Um, I think about how, when you kill a woman and she's pregnant, you get charged with feticide and homicide. So mm -hmm. how is it that you can get charged with feticide for killing a pregnant woman, but a woman can say, oh, I don't want the baby and I can just kill it because it's my body, my choice. Like that mm -hmm. to me doesn't really make sense. It's kind of like a double standard. And then just thinking about the origination of Roe versus Wade, it was a, it was a lion white woman i mean <laughs> i'm sorry can we let me just talk about that for she lied it was a 20 year old female who again entitled i want to be sexually liberated i just want to have sex with who i want she was 21 years old she was on her this was her second or third kid i believe and she didn't want to have the kid and because she couldn't get an abortion because she because back in that time, you had to have only could get an abortion if you was raped. She mm -hmm. tried to she was convinced by her friends. Well, go lie and say he was raped by a gang of black guys. So you can go get a, a, a police report and then that way you can go get an abortion. But that lie didn't fall through. So she basically wasn't able to get the abortion. But then two more her feminists you know, sisters came along and was like, oh, wow, well, you know, we're lawyers and we can help you fight this. So let's go ahead and do it. And so they basically helped her get Roe versus Wade passed, even though mm -hmm. she lied about even being raped. She was just sexually liberated or promiscuous, however you want to call it, at 21 years old. And, and, and that was the whole reason that Roe versus Wade got passed. It got passed off of a lie.
And so mm-hmm. I don't think that that's fair and I don't think that that's cool. And the fact that she tried to lie and say it was black men that did that to her to try to make it stick. And then they turned around and carried it through. And then the, the crazy part about it all is after this happened in, in 1969, they fought this case for like two or three years. In 1973, they finally passed Roe versus Wade and she ended up having the kid and putting the kid up for adoption. And they concealed yeah. her identity. Her name is not even Roe or Wade or whichever one. Her name was Norma McCorvey. And then yeah. before she died, she came out and talked about how, oh, she don't believe in abortions no more. She changed her life and all of this and that. It's like, what the heck? It's like, mm-hmm. what? And, 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 and the part that makes me you know, kind of mad when I think about it is now um, we have more... It, it was more black women getting abortions over, you know, over those decades. And just think about how detrimental that was to our community. We only, like you said earlier, we only make up a small percentage of the population. Well, damn, mm-hmm. that's because the kids is getting sucked out off of the strength of, oh, I don't want to be married and I just wanted to have sex. And, oh, this is just a cluster of sales. So just pull it out of me. And, mm-hmm. and, and when you think about it, it was something that was passed because it wasn't something that was beneficial for black people in the first place. It wasn't something that we even had a dog in the fight um, in the first place. And now, just like everything else, we band to band together, to keep this moving forward. And now it's more hurtful and detrimental to us um, today when this wasn't even something that we had anything to do with. And I mean, conspiracy call it conspiracy theory or whatever but the the white population is declining so that's why they had to i think that's another reason why that they they overturned it as well to um to you know uh, allow i just don't think that it should be you should have access to on demand abortions period if you if you want to talk about um, the white population decline and all that. That's the reason they had to overturn it because, yeah, they don't want these white girls to just be going getting abortions no more. But if you think about the time back in the 60s and 70s where, okay, if black men just running around raping white girls, oh, yeah, let's hurry up and put abortions on the thing because we don't want that to happen. But now it's, it's actually adverse to the white community and it's adverse to our community as well. And so they're like, okay, yeah, let's overturn this because, uh-uh. And I just I just think it's crazy. I, I'm the type of person. Let's get ahead of the problem. We shouldn't be sitting up here having sexual liberation and being promiscuous and then turning around and getting abortions. What about closing your damn legs and choosing who you have sex with better? Like mm-hmm. Kevin Simons used to always say, marry before you carry. Because, yeah, if you not even go if this man ain't even good enough to be married to or to have a lifetime commitment to, why would you lay up and have his seed and bring his seed to full term? That don't even make sense. So I. I don't think that women should have access to on-demand abortions. And then on top of that, they beg for birth control before that with Margaret Sanger. So if you were supposed to be using birth control, why do we need to get all the way to abortions? I don't really understand that. So I'm thoroughly impressed by the way you just kind of explain things so thoroughly, especially with his historical references and, and precedences. Um, I, it never occurred to me, um, obviously, and I think Elon Musk made reference to this on a recent podcast, where like the population is kind of is declining, and even in China, where like they're removing the the one child rule, where right. we're just not having children, and like in a lot of cases, a lot of men are not having as lot of sex as as they once were, especially under rules of monogamy and traditional, you know, right. before the internet, where people were just so close, where you can just swipe right on so so quickly. Um, right. Before that, you just had your town to work with. I, I watched the movie yesterday, um, where the crawdads sing. 
and it was just it was I think it took place in like the night the early 1900s or mid 1900s yeah. and like that's all I had to choose from and it was mm-hmm. a great movie by the way it, I wasn't expected to to be a good movie I was just kind of bored so I'm like let me go watch a movie um but yeah it, it's just I never thought of it in that way as what if they overturned and again we, we can pause that causation but it's, it's speculation but what if what if they said the population is declining we're getting less taxes because as people die we're just not getting more people to we gotta pay these taxes bro we, we, we gotta get this bread <laughs> it, it kind of makes sense whereas like if we overturn rofers away these kids won't keep popping out again and obviously it's not they, they didn't completely do away with it they just sent it to the states but if you get half the states getting more children you get more taxes i mean if you get more people in prison you get more money in these prisons that's more tax tax money that we got to send over there but per you know individual you got in the street selling drugs you get that same person in prison that's 50 grand a pop exactly. you know just to have them incarcerated and this is where like part of me part of me i'm like maybe is that the systematic racism is that the yes systematic? Like, yes oh. it is absolutely but then again it doesn't matter the color of the skin of that person that's in prison it just matters that there's a person in there so again but we can't if, if agree don't though. commit the crimes go ahead I was going to say, but we can't agree, though, that we know for a fact that black men are overrepresented in the prison population, even though we're mm-hmm. we don't even make up that small. We only, like you said, yeah. we make up 12 percent of the population, but we like 30 and 40 percent of the prison population. Like you said, it yeah. is a cash incentive to that. Um, um, single mothers, the, the amount of mm-hmm. men that are in prison are raised by single mothers. So, you know, like you said, at the end of the day, yes, it is up to us to have our own individual. We have to have better individual decision making, but we can't deny the fact that our individual decisions are a part of a greater collective. And it's, it is a greater um, like picture or incentive to all of this, to all of our individual actions. Um, but now I will push back just a little bit, um, mainly because I, I believe, and I think Jordan Pearson has made light of this. Um, whereas men operate at the extremes of society, anyways, there's more mm-hmm. men who are billionaires and CEOs than there are women, and there's more men who are homeless and in prison and dead Correct. historically than there are women. World War II, it wasn't a, a ton of women dying on the front lines, Correct. it was men, Vietnam, Korean War, World War One, the Civil War, it was men dying. So men t- typically operate at the extremes of society in most cases already. And so of course, when you add skin color to it, it just kind of magnifies due to certain societal factors. Um, whereas if you're raised in the hood, you're probably aiming for either death or prison Correct. already. And the numbers alone, especially if you're born to a single mother, you, your your statistics or your, your probability of being successful in society as a just a con- contributing member, pay, taxpaying member who owns a business or, or just works a, a job and supports their family, having a family in general, you're already operating behind the eight ball just right. because of where you're born and the circumstances surrounding your, your your birth. So I do agree that there are a lot of factors to play. And I think white supremacy is still there. I'm not saying it's completely done away with or it's gone or it doesn't exist. I'm not arguing that whatsoever. But I think we can't s- simply blame that one thing oh, as no. the causal factor for mm-hmm. everything. I, I, think, no, no, no. I think because we started behind the eight ball, because of slavery, and and of course we're starting only like 500 600 years behind like there's there's a whole history behind slavery like we weren't the first people to be enslaved so we're, we're just the latest to be enslaved so of course we get the oppression points and like yeah we 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 we're the latest so you got you got to put us on top of the hierarchy of, of oppression um so I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize that whatsoever 
It's just the fact that as we increase in opportunity and we're almost leveled out in terms of you can invest, I can invest, you got degrees, I don't have any degrees. I'm about to have, I'm about to, I'm about to get me some credits. You, you out here, you out here, yeah. you about to get out here. <laughs> you about to get but, your uh, paperwork. Yeah, it's just facts. I mean, I mean, we have a lot of the same opportunities, if not all the same opportunities. And if anything, there might be a gatekeeper in terms of if I want to work for this company, that person gets to decide who works for the company. And that's their right. preference. But we call it discrimination only because of our perspective. Their perspective is, as a CEO or, or an employer, it's my preference to hire this type of person. Whereas the person applying, they can claim discrimination, racism, sexism, lookism, all, all these different things. And I don't think they're wrong. I just think they, they can't know that for sure, for 100% certainty. And so I think there are a lot of variables at play. And I think most people have paused at causation. And I think that's so reckless and it's speculative to, to immediately yeah. go to causation and say, this is the causal variable as Correct. to why this is happening. When I'm like, no, I think it's a, a, I think it's a, a few, if not hundreds of variables that go into this. And if you pull back the veil and if you zoom out enough, you can properly see there's all these different circumstances that came together to create your situation. And it just happens to be a lot of us are born in that in that that funnel. Whereas if if all the people that are born in the hood, especially the single mothers, especially as Roe versus Wade isn't implemented, again, I think there's a lot of variables to account for. But and I I will say this in in favor of you know conspiracies surrounding white supremacy, what have you. I, I think there's an incentive to keep us down, mainly because we are angry for a reason. You don't enslave people, <laughs> and then they just come out and of say, course. "You know what? They they freed us, bro." So you know we're gonna let bygones be bygones. Of course, I think there, there's an anger, uh, underlying anger that we have, um, and it benefits us because the same way we operate and we we take over prisons in terms of population, we also take over anything that benefits aggression, such as the most popular sports in America. We are twelve percent of the population. We are fifty three percent of the NFL. We are seventy three percent of the NBA. How is that possible? Unless those those industries and those environments, they value aggression. Anywhere that aggression is valued, you will see us at the top. Mike Tyson, the best boxer, Mayweather, the best boxer. Any sport that requires, like, you look at the Winter Olympics. You don't see no black people over there skiing and snowboarding, not only because it's hella expensive, but because there's no aggression. It's gravity. It's skill. It's skill-based. But whenever you see, and the one area I don't see a lot of black people in which could benefit from aggression is CrossFit. And a lot of people don't even know about CrossFit. I'm a huge fan of the sport, especially watching it. But yeah, it's just working out. It's just fitness. And there are a lot of black people that are physical specimens that are just, you won the genetic lottery. But in areas where, you know, it's kind of hard to compete. You're just competing with numbers and gravity in terms of CrossFit. You don't see a lot of black people over there. But you see how black people have a lot of advantages, but disadvantages as well. Like America is a very young country. So... In the same way that we benefit from, from diversity, we all suffer because of diversity. And when we go to war, we have every nation represented in our, in our armies. You go to China, you see the army. You go to North Korea and see the army. It's all North Koreans. It's all Koreans. So I think we benefit from diversity. We suffer by diversity. And I think it's just we're, we're, we have growing pains because we're trying to balance all of these different cultures in one melting pot and saying, all right, so the Italians want this for dinner. The Italians want spaghetti for dinner. The black folk want chicken and rice for dinner. The Mexicans want tacos for dinner. White people want eggs, Benedict and, and salmon for dinner. And like, <laughs> everyone's arguing over stuff. And I'm like, all right, right, what can we all eat that we enjoy? You know what? Don't worry about it. Let's make a food court. Just make a food court and everyone go where they want to go. 
and we, we have all these different, you know, circumstances that we're trying to navigate and no one has a direct answer for it outside of Brad, mind your business, try to get along, just do the best you can. And it's not, I mean, it seems to be working and we're trending in the right direction. I'll say that we're going in the right direction, but a lot of the imperfections are showing up. I think um, you have, I think you made a good point and it just made me think about it. And, um, and I think it's something that Kevin Samuels always say too, but we can't deny the fact that this country thrives off of our dysfunction. Like you said, um, it, it's gotta be some kind of incentive in, you know, why, we still at the bottom or why we still haven't moved up or why we are kept in a certain place. I mean, I just think about like college. I mean, I wish if I didn't go, I wish I could have not went to college. I wish I could do things all over again and I wouldn't have ever went because um, I just think about how I was not um, prepared financially. I was, Mm. I think about how I wasn't prepared academically. Like I talked about earlier coming from a school system that did not prepare me for college because of the lack of resources, because it's the inner city and it's Mm. the population went down. So don't nobody really care about if the the kids in Detroit are doing well or not. Um, I I think about things like that. Like in my opinion, things like college have been pushed to the black community, specifically black women, get a degree, get a degree. Get a degree so you don't need no man and so you can get you a good job. And and then you look up, OK, you got your degree, but then you're like, OK, but I can't get no job. Um, kind of what you said earlier. I mean, it, yeah, everybody can't claim racism or sexism. It ain't that every time. Nothing is ever absolute, but we can't deny the fact that those things are still in place and those things still um you know, affect people. The fact that you can go to college and get this little degree, but then nobody told you, uh, no, not the liberal arts degree. You, you're supposed to go get the other type of degree. You're supposed to go get the, um, you're supposed to go get like a math degree or a STEM degree. But the fact that it was promoted to women as a sense of independence, um, that's, that says something that's telling the fact that college is promoted to you know black women in particular instead of black men um kind of like what you were talking about with sports why is it that like you said why do we overcompensate or overpopulate places like sports or um rap music and things like that when we all know that black men and black people can do more than sports or you know we have black mathematicians and scientists and those type of things but why is it now today only the black women are being told to um, go to college why aren't the black men being told to go to college specifically for math or stem or those type of things so i it really makes me think about that because if you if you think about like again the system or the oppression part of it Black women is told, go to college so you can get a career instead of a job. It's empowering. It's supposed to help you be independent. But then you come out and got $100,000 in student loans and you got a liberal arts degree that can't help you make no money. Then now you're talking about, okay, well, I got my degree. So if he ain't got no degree, then this. And so that leaves you not likely to make families. What makes a society? What makes a community? Families. And so if people are individuals, that's why I said earlier, like individually, we are a part of a collective. So it does to an extent affect us. If everybody's so concerned with being individuals, to what end does that go? Um, because we got women who get in the degrees, 
men, y'all make more logical decisions. So, or, or more than likely men, like you said, you ain't going, you ain't went to college. Um, you wasn't forced to go to college right out of high school. And mm-hmm. now you're in a position where you're going to go for free. But yeah. a, a lot of time men are able to make their way through life and make a lot of money without no college degree. Like you said, men are more than likely to be millionaires and billionaires. Um, but when, because y'all got more logical thinking, like you said earlier, we're different. It is things that mm-hmm. we do differently and we supposed to be together because you bring what we don't, we bring what y'all don't. But yeah. if everybody has been promoted to be an individual, specifically the women, that to me ain't just, just it didn't just happen. It's by design. It's a reason for it. Now we got single mothers. Now we got the government um, welfare. Mm-hmm. Now we got child support. Now we got these court systems. Those are all systems that are thriving. The lawyers, the judges, the attorneys, Facts. all these people are thriving simply because black women or women in general are being promoted to have a certain uh, type of lifestyle or a certain individual independent lifestyle. And it's detrimental to us all. And and that ain't just it didn't just happen like that. It, it's, it was strategic. Yeah. This country is thriving off of the fact that most of the, the student loan debt is belonging to us, black women. That's why Joe Biden yeah. ain't going to cancel it. Women sit up, oh, Joe Biden, <laughs> Joe Biden, they come out please y'all cancel the student yeah. loan. No, because yeah. it affects if do you know what position that will put black the black community in if they erase student loan debt and black women mm-hmm. don't have no student loan debt no more? Like, do do we understand how powerful that would be? But of course, mm-hmm. why why would they do that? Why, like, just think about yeah. that. Why would they put us in a position of any type of power? This this country is thriving off of the backs of our dysfunction. Eighty percent of kids is born out of wedlock. We got separate households. We mm-hmm. got two people paying rent, two people paying car notes, insurance. All of these different things is mm-hmm. is, is keeping this country specifically going. On our back. Yeah, black women talk about we the muse. Yeah, we are the muse because <laughs> this country is riding on our backs because we the ones that fell for the okie doke and we doing this dumb stuff and we are perpetuating a lot of this stuff that's, you know, that's going on. So I wish I could undo it. I wish I could not. I wish I could have went to I wouldn't went to college. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, t- I tell people, like, go to the Air Force first. Four years. You don't got to do active duty. Free education. So again, I think a lot of these options that you know we're, we're told, the Marines and the Army, they're only two branches. I'm like, no, there's Air right. Force and Navy. If you don't like, like the Air Force is the only option for me. I'm like, I'm not getting nobody's boat. I ain't going nobody's <laughs> submarine. Um, I can't swim, so I can't join anyway. The Army. My dad told me horror stories about the Army. I'm like, the Marines, they eat crayons. Like, I'm too busy for <laughs> like. I'm an intellectual. You understand? Put me behind somebody's desk. Give me some some Starbucks, bro, some Spotify, and, and don't ask me no questions, bro. Like, if the AC's not on, do not do not call me, bro. I, I won't be able to make it. If the wind's blowing too hard, I'm going to be in the bed, you understand? Like, during my whole deployment, like, we're deployed with the Army and the Marines. The, I, I would be on the way to the defect to get breakfast and watch NBA games because we were, like, nine hours behind or something. And, like, I see the Army out there going for a run. I'm like, where are y'all going, bro? Like, like bro, we got PT every day. Like, like, Y'all chose the wrong branch, bro. Couldn't like, be me. Yeah, but listen, the Air Force for that's why so many women join the Air Force because it's more like a corporation. Like, yes, it, there's some turbulence at the beginning as far as basic training is concerned, but in most cases, you sitting behind a desk, you chilling, you're not doing no crazy labor unless you get one of these security forces type jobs. But even then, like, yeah, it, 
there's a lot of options available. And if you think a lifetime of student loans just to go to college up front or give the Air Force four years or two years and you can palace chase or, or just join the Guard or Reserves, I get a free education, tuition assistance. Exactly. Just to just to do some paperwork, Excel sheets, work in finance or personnel or something. Exactly. Work, work at services, work at lodging and, and the defects. There's options available, and I think that there's, and this is why, like my my original channel was built on Air Force content, just kind of telling people mm. there's options available, and mm. it's not a life sentence. Like you don't got to do 20 years and re- get the full retirement. Like you you can get in, get out, like I did. Uh, I'm at the end of my six year contract. Mm. Get the benefits. I'm about to go to school for free. They're gonna pay my rent while I go to school, wow. and I'm gonna be chilling in Southern Florida while I go learn about philosophy or something. I'm like uh, keep building life. my YouTube, YouTube channel. Thanks. Right. So that there are options available, and and, and the, this is the question I would ask you, especially in regards to feminism and how Black women may have been led, led astray. What do you think the solution is in regards to, since we let's say let's assume everything you say is right as far as the systematic approach to pull Black women and Black men apart, and to kind of anchor us in this poverty mindset that we have and this poverty lifestyle and, and these poverty situations that that we're in. What what do you think the solution is to getting Black women and Black men back together? The first solution is, as women, we have to be honest. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the very first thing. We have to be honest. We have to understand. We can't sit up here and be like, oh, well, I got me a degree because I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to. We have to just be honest and say, I got the degree because that's what my mama told me to do. And I thought Mm -hmm. it was a flex and it was stroking my ego and it was feeding my ego. And that's why I wanted to do it. But in actuality, I don't really want to work like that's That's what we Mm -hmm. have to do, because. In all honesty, women do not want to work. <laughs> don't no woman want to work. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, for real, like, think about it. If our people built this country, we've been working our whole entire lives. Like, don't nobody want to work for real. That's a, That was a yeah. white woman's rhetoric. They sat back and chilled and did nothing. And then that's why they was begging to work, because they wasn't doing nothing. Mm. Our asses wasn't. We we never got a day from off. Slavery to the court. Exactly. Slavery straight to the workplace. Like, we went from the plantation in the sun to the plantation and air conditioning. So it's like listen. we don't want to work for real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think the first solution is women have to be honest with themselves. Um, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Dig deeper and ask why. Why do I hate men so much? Why do I got daddy issues why do mm-hmm. i always hear my mama talking and complaining about me and why do i always think that it's everybody else but me you know what i'm saying like we have to be honest um and, and say it's a problem or i'm not happy or i'm not satisfied with my results in real life not on tiktok because everybody on tiktok and instagram <laughs> is boss Thanks. chicks everybody got a million dollars on on instagram but then when i look at the mm-hmm. report from the fdic it said that millennial women have zero dollars in wealth so it's like how is everybody rich but then according to the statistics don't nobody have no money so it's mm-hmm. like we have to just start with being honest okay hey i'm not getting the results that i want in real life i don't have i mean i am crying myself to sleep every night because i'm tired of this dead-end job it's not making me enough money to pay my bills. I am lonely. I do want to be with a man. I do. Mm. I am tired of laying up with every every dude and all he giving me is a baby or STD. Like we have to be honest and and stop acting like it's not what it is. And we have to get out these echo chambers. Yeah, girl. Well, yeah, because my homegirl <laughs> said this and that. So, yeah, it must be true. And it's not. You know what mm. I'm saying? We have to we have to start being honest. And I think that's the very, very first 
part of the solution. We gotta be honest with ourselves that we're not happy with our results and we're not happy with our outcomes. And then after we be honest and admit that it's a problem, then we have to decide what is it exactly that we really want. And this is what mm-hmm. I had to understand. Like all of this, oh, I'm a work and I'm gonna do this and all that. That's nothing but a mask that we build up. That's a, a toxic masculinity. That's why black women always talk about toxic masculinity because we the ones that's really doing the toxic masculinity because we think if we just work and grind and get to the bag, that it's gonna divert us away from nature. And mm-hmm. nature don't lie. In the in the, at the end of the day. A woman don't really want to be working and grinding and doing all that. That's why by the time we reach 30 or 40, we go just have a baby with anybody because we really want a baby. We really want to be a family. We really want to have people around us that love us, but we misprioritize our time and and we prioritize things that aren't really important, like money, like a job title. Mm-hmm. When those is things that <clears throat> didn't really mean nothing a thousand years ago. Money, yeah. currency was trading goats or camels or something. I don't, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's not a bag. It's not money. So, you know, like I said, we need to, first of all, be honest. And then second of all, what is it that we really want? And once we get back to undoing all of this trauma and all these lies, we'll see that what we want and what we desire ain't too far off from what our ancestors and them desired. It's simple. We want family. We want a man. We want kids. And we and that's what creates the love and, you know, those fuzzy feelings is I mean, yeah, it's cute mm-hmm. to post on Instagram. But if Instagram went away tomorrow, I ain't going to be mad. Like <laughs> I would rather I will, I want in real life, like I want a man that's going to care yeah. about me and, and give me and I want to bring his kid into this world because I care about him. And I know he got us and I want to instill my knowledge and things that I know into that kid and make that kid. um a law abiding or you know a productive person a purposeful person in this world because that's what really matters it ain't the birkin bags it ain't the this mm. and luxury soft life all this bull crap we talking <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like yeah. real life it's the kids it's it's women supposed to be if we gonna say we these queens of shebas and goddess to earth then we have to act like it yeah. <laughs> like mm. you know yeah. so that's what i think the solution is we got to be honest with ourselves and and talk about what the problem actually is, address and undig what that problem is, and then decide what it is that we actually want and see that it's real simple and then just go out and get it. Like that's facts. That's facts. Um after hearing all that rhetoric, after you know viewing your you know your shirt reads accountability, um your intro said you're 30 years old living in Detroit, no kids. The, the question, the elephant in the room that, you know, it, it grew bigger and bigger the more you talked. I'm like, she has the, the knowledge of the history. She understands the roots of feminism. She understands, you know, the roots of the black community as far as why poverty is so you know prevalent, um, why black men are, and black women are separated. She's 30 years old. She She's consumed Kevin Samuels content. She's aware of Andrew Tate. She, she's aware of, you know, black women rhetoric and soft life and, and all, all, all these different you know, tropes thrown around elephant in the room is are you single and if you are why are you single at 30 years old some will call it you know kevin samuels the the late kevin I'm samuels it danger zone right i'm washed well, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the, the most obvious question that, that has me intrigued i'm like why is this woman with all this knowledge and accountability and, and rhetoric why is khadijah single so 
Well, thankfully, I'm not no more. Hallelujah. Ooh, I had to. I had. Ooh, Somebody got yes. us. One of these great black men chose me. Yes, Jesus. Because because look, I was like, I ain't got time to be dying by myself. Nah, nah, you know, no, but the relationship, our relationship is still new and fresh and all of that. But um, mm. I'm not single. But um, I guess the reason in, why in relation I was, to marriage. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm not married, but yeah. um, I'm I'm working on this shit. I hope because. <laughs> I ain't got time to be out here amongst the ho ho hoes. That's what I realized. If you yeah. are a single woman, if you are unaccounted for as a woman, you a ho ho ho. That's just basically what it is. And that's what that's why I think as women in general and black women in particular, it is important for us individually to act a certain way because we are a part of a larger community. And that's what I had to realize like, okay. You know, when I when I would interact with guys and they'd be oh, y'all females, this, y'all females, I would be offended. Like, uh-uh, what you mean, y'all? <laughs> that ain't me. But mm. what I had to realize was it was me to a degree. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I'm one of these females that's, oh, I, I got me a degree. I got me a job. It is y'all females because we all act the same. Like, it was all the same mindset. No matter if we had a degree, a baby daddy, or none of that. Mm. We It was still the same type of energy that we was giving off. And so um that's that's basically i guess why i was single is because you know despite me may have not been you know like a, a hood rat or whatever it was still a, a mindset that i had or an aura that i was given off that wasn't given wife you know what i'm saying mm. it was given y'all females yeah. you know what i'm saying no. so yeah. <laughs> so you know um yeah, I mean, I had a lot of stuff to work on and I'm still a work in progress. I am by no means perfect, but I guess that's why I can speak to it because um, a lot of the females that I see on the internet or whatever, I can see myself in them to a certain degree. And I'm honest enough to say that, you know, I mean, I, I was, oh, well, if he ain't got no education, then this, or oh, if he ain't doing this, then that. Mm -hmm. And I had to realize that it didn't have nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with me. I was insecure. I wasn't whole and right within myself. I was out of place as a female. That's why I'm over here trying to look for things that females, we, as a female, I'm looking for things in a man that you're not technically supposed to be looking for in a man. Like, you pose, we supposed to be the fine one. He ain't, I mean, he can be medium ugly or whatever, or you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if he can provide, yeah. exactly. If he can produce, yeah. if he can take care mm -hmm. of, of, of life and the kids and family, that's what it's about. Because again, when I think about the plantation, I was at, they wasn't talking about, oh, well, he got to be fine and this or that, or he ain't. No, it was about if he could take care of you and could he take care of the family. It didn't have nothing to do if he was fine or not. We supposed to be the fine ones in a relationship. We supposed to be the feminine ones. We supposed to bring the the poems and the love songs and all of that type of stuff. And I think we've just become, we was just, I was just really out of place as a female thinking, oh, well, he supposed to be all about me and he supposed to be buying me flowers and all of this. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, but what are you doing? What are you bringing to the, what are you mm -hmm. bringing to the table? You know, I've never been asked that per se, but it's essentially the same thing. If you can see your results aren't getting you what you want, then clearly you're not bringing something to the table. If you're not, if you're not bringing wife to the table, then you're not going to get wifed. <laughs> and so, Thanks. Thanks. And, and what I had to realize, I mean, and which isn't too far off because again, like I said earlier, I was raised by a single mother. I wasn't raised by a wife. My mother wanted to be unruly and she didn't want to be with my dad. So that's what she taught me. 
And mm. and I can sit up here and act like, oh no, that ain't true. That ain't true. But that's not gonna do nothing. That's not gonna help me get closer to my results. I had to admit that I was flawed as a female. I was out of place as a female. And I had to figure out how did I get out of place so I can get back in my place because I ain't trying to be out here dying alone like my grandma <laughs> did. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, that's and and now I understand and I know that and now I'm ready to be somebody's mama. Like I could never imagine one to have children or anything because I'm like, oh, I don't know how to change a diaper. I'm not about to. <laughs> I ain't about to be doing, mm-hmm. but now I'm excited. I'm like, I want to be somebody's mama because I know I know a lot of stuff. I want to teach them. I want to, I've been in the kitchen trying to bake cookies from scratch. I'm trying to learn how to do all of this stuff so I can teach my kid and so we can put, so our next generation of people can be better. Like I'm, I'm tired of us subscribing, specifically as black people subscribing to, oh, well, as long as I can get it out the mud, then. If I struggled and was doing this and doing that, it's like, why do we got to get it out the mud? Like, why? Mm. Why is that the only form of success? Like, why can't we have normal, you know, like everybody Mm. else doing and even in these so-called third world countries? How are they able to have nothing and they able to produce, you know, sufficient families and all of this and and good kids and smart and intelligent kids and they had to get it out the mud? Like, I don't want to normalize struggle no more. Like, I'm like, <laughs> why are we doing that? It's ghetto. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. ghetto. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I'm sorry. That was a little love. a rant, but yeah, like, Man, that's what you're here for. Um, you, you mentioned, I mean, because, uh, so again, you, you are 30. I'm curious at, at what point, you know, what age did did you feel that the transition happened? Um, Rolo Tomasi, he's kind of the godfather of the manosphere. He wrote The, the Rational Male. Um, he talks about the epiphany phase and how like women typically go through their their whole phase or they go through their experimental phase where they're trying to figure out life, figure out themselves, all, all those things. Um, and then around 27 or so is where they kind of transition to like, all right, maybe all those things that they were fun, that, that they were, you know, they were cool. But now I'm kind of transitioning to adulthood and I'm like, I do want to have a family. I do want to have, you know, children and, and a husband, all these things. Um, at what age do you see yourself or did, did you see yourself kind of transitioning into the mindset you currently have? Um, um, I guess like, I don't, I don't really, here's what I'll say. I don't know. Like when I started to realize that, okay, as a female, you have a certain amount of time. That Mm -hmm. was just, that was just when I discovered Kevin Samuels, because I had never heard that before. I never, So that was literally like a year and a half ago when I realized that, okay, you out of time, like you're out of time. But Mm -hmm. here's the thing. I always wanted like the family or this or that, that desire was there. But what I did was work extra hard overtime, suppressing it to act like it Mm -hmm. didn't exist. You know what I'm saying? Because I spent most of my twenties in a relationship. Like I was in a relationship with my college boyfriend and, you know, I'm a, I'm a relationship type of chick. Like I like, I'll be like, it's kind of, it was kind of boring, but I'm like, okay, I like to, yeah. the stability of it. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. it wasn't until I was um, like, again, I broke up. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not happy. So <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm not happy. I gotta see what's going on out in the world. And got out there and was like, hold the hell up. Ain't nothing, out ain't nothing out here. This ain't, this ain't that. And that ain't this. And, exactly. and so then I'm like, okay, well, once I couldn't find a man, okay, I'm gonna go back to school. I'm gonna get a degree. I'm 
that's why I laughed at all of this, the videos and I laugh at all this stuff out here because it literally was me. And I'm just like, I'm just, I guess, one of the few females that ain't going to sit up here and act like it it wasn't me. I ain't going to be afraid to admit it, but that's exactly how it was. Okay, I ain't got nothing to do, so let me go back to school. I ain't got nothing. because mm. I. But I just always knew I wasn't going to come single mother. Like, I just knew I ain't <laughs> about to have no kids. <laughs> I just Man. knew it would. I, I'm gonna go get a degree. I go do whatever else, but I'm just not about to drag no kid into this because that just never made mm. sense to me. But like I said, I just worked extra hard to try to suppress that. Oh no, girl, it ain't. It ain't true. <laughs> and then I guess what I realized was because I'm I'm like the strong friend in my group, and mm. what I realized was okay, yeah, it might be something that I could do like I might have my finances straight or I might be able to have my money right but what I realized it was problematic kind of like what we were talking about earlier us coming from a certain degree of, of privilege it's problematic when you try to project your reality and your experience onto other people so yeah I might have my stuff together and I might have been acting like I was so strong and I could do it by myself but that was not correct for me to be trying to tell other women to do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not mm-hmm. that's not an OK narrative to be like, oh, yeah, girl, well, you don't need that man either, girl. He, you know, what I'm, that's why they say women keep women single, because we be trying to project yeah. our experience to our homegirls because misery love company. And so, yeah, I, I, I guess like once I had um, and I mentioned, um, like I said, um, last year I had got fired from my job that I was working at for like five years. And once yeah. I got fired from that job, I was able to take time to realize like literally everything stopped because I was so used to working and going to school and internships running here, running there, that it's a distraction. So you don't Mm -hmm. really see how you actually are suffering in real life. So you distracted by all this stuff that you got going on. So when I lost the job, I was just like, damn, hold on. Like I, I ain't got, I ain't got nothing to hold on. Like, (laughs) hold on. Now you ain't, you ain't all that that you thought you was now, or you actually see what is important because yeah, if you do have a man, it wouldn't be such a um, it wouldn't have been such a burden. Or if you had a man in the mm. first place and prioritized that, then it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have mattered that you got fired from your job. You know what I'm saying? So um, uh, having those distractions eliminated was kind of what helped me really dive nose dive into, I would say, like the final piece of my personal development as far as trying to be a better person, because I always have kind of like been on this journey to try to be a better person to dig deeper to understand who I was as a a female um, as a black person as Khadija but it wasn't Mm. until I was able to be off of work and I was able to find Kevin Samuel's channel visit that plantation and it just start like all just start coming to me like oh you've been doing this thing all wrong (laughs) so yeah I, i'm washed I, I know i'm like i'm like dang god i'm washed i'm 30. <laughs> and then like when i was and this is another thing when i was putting together a family tree of my i was looking at like the census and stuff from like the 1800s and i'm like wow these women had nine and ten kids before they was 30 years old and here we is 30 years old and we ain't got nothing but nine and ten thousand dollars of college debt like we're childish we need to grow up like I'm like, these women was 30 years old with a husband and kids. And we over here talking about, I'm 30. I'm not about to be settling down. Mm-hmm. I'm We're childish as hell. And so mm. I, it just really made me think, like, I always try to call myself a mature person, but I'm just like, 
I heard someone say it. I um I follow or I listen to um the Black Authority on YouTube, and he made he makes a good point. A woman without a man is half of a woman. And I said, wow. I said nah. I'm like he on to something with that. <laughs> I'm like he on to something because once you realize mm. that your purpose on this earth as a female. Not as what society say, no, as what God put us here for is to be the help meet for a man, to be the to be the backbone for the man and the family and all that. Once you realize that and it don't have nothing to do with money, it don't have nothing to do with a degree, it's like, oh, okay. All, all mm-hmm. right, now this this is making a lot more sense. So yeah, I mean, like I said, that, that final piece of my revelation came um last year, but um Nature never lies. That desire was always there, but we just yeah. worked overtime to suppress it and suppress it and act like it, we could just put it away and it won't. And it yeah. never goes away. So, and it's definitely something that men can't really relate to because right. that, that drive to have a child, we will never feel because we can't have children. And mm-hmm. so I, th- I think a woman has built into her DNA. And again, right. not all women want children and not all of them should have to have children if they don't want to. But of course, that's relative to them. their decision making. If you don't have a child, don't do what makes children. Um, right. Anyway, um, it's definitely interesting that, you know, it's a feeling that I hear a lot about as far as, you know, that desire to have a child or the desire to have a family. Men typically only feel that from like a legacy or like, I, I, like personally, I would love to have a son only because I want to have these same debates with him and like pick his brain and like, right. what do you think about this, bro? And just let him go because I know he got my DNA. So we'll have <laughs> these arguments back and forth about stuff. It's like when I talk to my dad and I plan on having him on my podcast at some point, um, it's like talking to myself, even though we mm-hmm. disagree on a lot of different things. But it's like the way he argues is the same way I argue. And I'm like, my, I, like when I talk to my mom, she's highly manipulative. And I'm like, that's that's the way I am. Like, that's why I, I immediately pick up on it. And like me and her butt heads a lot. Because I pick up on her manipulation, just mm-hmm. like, like that's the way I would do it. It's the same way she's doing it, except she's just, I can't help myself. Like, that's, she can't help herself. Um, but I do, I do have one final question. You've been more than gracious, Khadija. Um, and I, I've thoroughly enjoyed your, your rhetoric and, you know, the way you just recount history um, so well. It, it's definitely refreshing and definitely enlightening, honestly, because a, a lot of things you, you talked about, just never heard of it. And it's not like mm-hmm. I, I go deep diving on, slavery topics or feminism topics. I honestly, I don't, Um, but you've definitely been helpful in that way. Um, But I do have one question. It's one question I ask all my guests, um, Mm -hmm. especially when they're females. Um, Before we talk about that, how's, you made a TikTok on this and it's just, it's amazing to me how the accuracy of science has now been demonized. How is the the word female offensive oh, in twenty two? Please talk about that real quick. Oh, like, what, what is it about the accuracy of science that has women offended by the, the term female? I might have to come back because once I find the answer, <laughs> I'm gonna have to come back and give it to you because I really mm. don't know. Like, but what's crazy is is to be called a bitch is empowering. She a bad bitch. That's a literal See? female dog. But right. to call you a female and the implication is that you're a human because I thought we was both humans talking. That's just right. where we draw the line. It's like it's too much. It's way too much. <laughs> but again, to me, it goes back to that. Like I said, that ideology of feminism, mm. feminism was rooted yeah. in entitlement. Feminism was rooted in, oh, if a man can do it, I can do it. It's, it's kind of rooted mm. in that same type of mindset um, that if it's a man calling me a female, he trying to oppress me. It's like, huh? Right. 
what are you talking yeah. what first of all what black know. man got any system of power to oppress you and the, okay the average right. white guy working at subway what what the hell can he do what are you talking about so yeah right. I, I i really don't know that's why like i said earlier i'm a semantics person so i like to try mm-hmm. to watch the words that i use um but yeah i don't i don't understand like what what it's science. I mean, what what do you want us to call it? X and Y or X and X? Like, I don't even know what the chromosomes are. We can't even do are, that nowadays. Like, exactly. we be careful, but that's why I said do I don't want to be like, called. I don't want to be called a woman because y'all want to let everybody yeah. be a woman. Okay, well, I'm a female, and don't call me no cis See. woman or don't don't put none of that behind it. Like, I'm, again, mm-hmm. I'm not playing in alternate realities with people. I'm dealing in mm-hmm. actual reality where, and that's another thing too. X that you should look up you should look up the history of like gender expression um it was a psychologist dr john money i think john money he was the one that actually coined the term gender expression and Mm -hmm. what he did he was a psychologist again he's dealing with your brain not actual science and he's Mm -hmm. the one that basically said oh well if you feel this way then you can just you know God, you can change your genders, you know, change it around. Because at one point in the mm. time, gender and sex was the same word. So, right. yeah. So I, th- I think people should look up to him too, Doctor. I think his name was John Money. He was a psychologist from Australia, and he was the one that came up with the term gender expression. And he did some very, very nasty and exploitive um, experiments on children, as a matter of fact, wow. um, to alter their. Um, like thoughts behind gender expression and things like that. And yeah, it, it's really crazy. But yeah, I'm a female. I'm a female. I'm a woman. I'm not cis. I don't know none of all that extra stuff. You can't feel like a woman. I mean, you get cramps. Mm-hmm. Every If you're a female, you get cramps. You get a period. I mean, you yeah. have a uterus. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I actually, um, me and you are very similar in that. I, I enjoy defining words. I have live streams on this, cha- on this channel specifically. Where I just define words. I'm like I have to find yeah. submissive submission or like female privilege, black privilege, uh, pretty right. privilege, male privilege, and like just kind of really going down the line. Um, and I think that's a true privilege of being a man or a male, if you will, um, that we don't get cramps. We, we don't deal with the half it, it things is. we got to deal with. Just, I'm grateful as hell. You understand? Exactly. Like every every month, well, I, I ain't got to worry about that junk. Yeah, it's okay. just it's too much. I and look, as a female. A, I was going to say, and as a female, I'm glad that I don't have to put in long hours. I mean, I'm glad that I can use my female to be taken care of or something because I'd rather be in the back making sandwiches. Exactly. I'd rather make sandwiches. Okay, look. (laughs) I mean, the the stuff that I got to look forward to because, like, while I'm leaving the military, like, like the security you have for like I've only been in for six years, but like that security you have of first and fifteenth, you know that check coming every time. Unless you do mm-hmm. something illegal, get locked up, you'll check you'll check gonna be there. I think I got paid today right. actually. Um, so like <laughs> that check is on ten. Like you just it, I I know it's gonna be two days early because I got the USA. You understand? Like exactly. make sure you got my money, Uncle Sam. But, like, okay. <laughs> going back to the civilian world, I know my hours probably gonna go up. Even though I'm working eight hours in the military, like I I just know. There, there's no security blanket. You can be fired. Right. Military, you don't, you don't right. get fired. Like right. you want a contract. Whereas you go back to the civilian world and you realize you're losing a lot of the securities that you've kind of been relying on. And so that there are a lot, and that's why I, I enjoyed making that video about male privilege versus female privilege and how there are mm-hmm. certain things that we benefit from. If we Correct. if we are genetic lottery or win the genetic lottery, we go to the NBA, we're making millions. In LeBron's case, billions. Exactly. Whereas if you're a woman and you're six foot two or six foot three or something, 
you might make hundreds of thousands if that and mm -hmm. there's just a small chance of going to WNBA or, or you know professional sports whereas women have the privilege of and in a lot of cases abortion rights it's a privilege of being a, a woman it's a privilege of being mm -hmm. a female because since only y'all can have a child you know you can't have it by yourself you can only you should have the right kind of to abort the child it's a it's a it's a weird dilemma that Choose better. um yeah exactly exactly That's pro the choice right, got, right. The, the perfect pro choice is the right choice and the correct <laughs> choice and all, all, all those qualifiers that we might add to that but um my final question and i, I have yet to get an answer and so I, I i i'm betting on you um okay what does a man gain in marriage that he doesn't have access to while dating The only thing I could possibly see is um, a, establishing a legacy, but that would kind of just be based on if you chose, you know, if you chose the best woman or the right woman that's, you know, going to stick out or stay, you know, stay with you. That's the only thing. But I honestly don't think that, you know, I don't think that y'all really receive anything and. I mean, like I said earlier, I have different views about like an actual marriage certificate and things like that. Um, mm. So, but I mean, it ain't really nothing different. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't really think y'all really legacy get piece. Uh, I've heard the legacy answer before. Like you can have children. I'm like you can have children while you're single because the black community is has caught like on no to problem. that a long time ago. Mm -hmm. That you don't got to be married to have children. You can just pop them out like like your body works without the ring or the paperwork. Um, and it's, it's the, the dilemma I'm stuck in personally, because as much as I, I can hear the rhetoric, is that some of my nose? Anyway, um, as much as I hear the rhetoric, as far as, you know, the black community and how we rebuild black families that requires marriage in a lot of cases. Now it may not require a legal marriage, but it's a form of marriage as far as covenant is concerned, or as far as, you know, two, uh, a man and a wife, you know, joining together and committing to each other long-term. Mm -hmm. To death to us part, you know, mm -hmm. might be able to change those words out till seventies to us part or till right. boredom do we part, do money right. problems do we part? But for the sake of the children, <laughs> you, you can see how the I think that's the point of marriage is to raise children and yeah. to build wealth together. And I think as you've made lot you've you've highlighted greatly that a lot of people are just trying to build wealth separately and everyone's out for themselves. And I don't think anyone wants to live in a world truly where if your house catches on fire, you put the fire out yourself. If somebody robs you, you chase down that person yourself. If somebody tries to rape you or assault you, you defend yourself. And if you can't, mm -hmm. better luck next time. Exactly. No one wants to live in a world like that. And we all benefit from having each other. Like when, when I go to hospitals, I enjoy having female nurses. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy the comfort that how are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah. Mr. Isaiah, like I, I enjoy that comfort of a man coming to bed. What was wrong with you, man? Like, yeah, I, I, I took his L, man. You know, they, they came for your boy and and I fell on the sidewalk. You're like, right, get your ass up, man. Like, I, I don't want a male nurse. Like, I, I just don't. Like, I, I prefer the nurturing aspects of a woman right. being by my side in certain aspects. Now, if I'm on the front lines and they say, bro, take that gun and run that mm -hmm. way, I would hope that there's a 200 pound man next to me and not right. a 200 pound woman because those exactly. are two different people Correct. and i'm probably gonna die if i if i get shot and, and somebody got to carry me to safety i hope it's a man mm -hmm. like it's just it's the realities and again as you mentioned a lot of people have left reality because we have all these other options such as social media mm -hmm. and virtual reality where we, we can just run off into somebody's metaverse and say mm -hmm. hey i can play poker and never run out of money and just, <laughs> just go i'm like that's a perk of being in virtual reality 
But when right. you come back to reality and you start playing that same way with your investments, with, with your portfolio, with going to the casinos, it's not going to work out for you. But the house is going right. to whoop your ass at some point. So <laughs> um, I, I'm still on this journey of I, I want black families right. to get back together. I want to be married one day because I believe in the way my parents raised me, where it was mm. my dad was working and my mom was home and she was a housewife. And then mm. they got divorced. And that kind of that, that hurt my soul. You understand? Yeah. That hurt my soul. But that was where I was raised. And so I was right. raised with my mom being next to the house phone. And you know, I came home and, and she would bust some Italian chicken up and, and I'll run in there and run up a check on that chicken and whatever she cooked. I, I grew up seeing that. And right. I think because I think it's a, a direct benefit of how I think and the way I, I operate now is the way I was raised in a, a two parent family home. Um, and so after seeing that, I'm like, I, I know marriage will benefit my child, my son, my daughter. Mm-hmm. But I don't see it benefiting me directly because I, I hear too many stories of men who say, if I want to have sex, I have to ask. Whereas right. being a single man, if I want to have sex, I just That's pull so. out my phone and find <laughs> somebody. And usually they're already on standby. I'm like, I, all I got to do is just say, pull up. They come through, I bless them, and I oh send them back. God. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm leaving that dynamic <laughs> to have to You're go right, to a though. marriage where if I don't take the trash out, I don't get none. I'm You're like, right. What? If you're she right. got a headache, I don't get none. I'm like, well, now I'm single. There's everybody got headaches, mm-hmm. but there's somebody that doesn't have a headache somewhere in the world. And now I, I'm very conservative now because <laughs> monkeypox. I saw I saw monkeypox one time, and I was like, bro, I'm about to be celibate as hell, bro. I ain't not about the to monkey. Hell no, nah. not the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> that joke looks so gross, bro. I'm like, I, I'm I'm not playing games. Like I'm washing my right. hands every time I use the bathroom now. Like I I didn't change my whole life. You know, I'm I'm out here being responsible, using hand sanitizer, and it's just different now. But um, I would hope that one day I get an answer as far as something that's not accessible. And of course, in the Christian community, you're not having sex till you're married, but virgins are more rare than Bitcoin being exactly. valuable. Exactly, please, it, please. I mean, to find a virgin in society, you're just, you're looking for UFOs or something. There's been sightings of virgins somewhere, but you know, they're, they're quickly dropping off the map, but I've yet to find answer that question as far as yeah. any incentive to get married. I can't really tell you an answer um, um, because like you said, the incentive was you get a virgin wife, but mm-hmm. that that's not even the case no more. But um, I mean, this might be um, a stretch or a reach or everybody might not agree with this, but I do think that the issues started with women and it, it's going to have to end with women because at the end of the day, it was, it was us that stopped valuing family and it was us that started wanting to be independent instead of interdependent with men mm-hmm. um it was us that started valuing um you know like you like you even mentioned you came from a two-parent household i know women who was raised in two-parent households and they have a resentment and a disdain yeah. for they the best outcome and so how <laughs> did that happen it wasn't the dads yeah. that said oh yeah be no it was the women that taught us that it was the women that have perpetuated this be independent and be strong um and and kind of like this unconscious and sometimes covert misandry you know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying it was the women that showed us that you know even in my own case um it wasn't my dad you know that was mad or this or that i mean hell after he broke up with my mama he had a couple wives after her so I mean, was the problem him or was the problem her? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so if yeah, these my dad's are the women, remarried. exactly. <laughs> so yeah. it's like if the if these is the women that's raising us, then 
they obviously are the ones that's destroying us and teaching us this this mindset, <clears throat> even as far as, you know, the, the boys that's being raised to men not wanting to be leaders or wanting to have mm. different roles as men it's because of the mothers are instilling that women are the teachers of the children so it's us who have taught the past the next generations to be able to have this independent mind independent individualistic mindset instead of a community mindset so i mean people might call it internalized misogyny but no it's us <laughs> it's the women it, we're the ones yeah. who did this so we're the ones that have to end it and, you know, the last thing I'll say is even if you're not married on a piece of paper, you just have to have that integrity in your mindset that, OK, I'm better with a man than without a man. And if I'm with my man and everything ain't going to be perfect and peaches and cream, it's still the best situation for me and my children, not just, oh, I'm staying with him because of the kids. No, I'm staying with him because <laughs> by myself, I know I was miserable and lonely. So I'm mm. not I'm about to do whatever I can to make sure this relationship works, especially if I got kids with him. So, Facts. yeah, that's that's Facts. that's how I feel. That's how I feel about it. So, but yeah, <laughs> unpopular <laughs> opinions. Facts. <laughs> Facts. And the, 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 that's a great point to to leave it on. Um, Khadija, you've been more than enjoyable. Um, you, you've been enlightening. You, you've been refreshing to 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 you know give back and forth with. Um, I'm, I'm more than grateful to ha uh, for you coming on. Thank you for saying yes. Yes. Thank you for responding. Because I know a lot of people's DMs be overflowing. You know, their, their cup is just runneth over. Nah. And so I, I, I'm more than grateful for, for the little things, you understand. Um, but yeah, I want to give you the last word. Any final words for the people? Um, where can people find you at? All, all that, all that. So, yes. Um, like I said, I'll be trying to... I'll be trying to live a private life because I don't have time to be going back mm -hmm. and forth with people in the alternate universe. But you can find me on TikTok. Um, I think my name is like underscore underscore Khadija with like four H's. Um, mm -hmm. But if you can't find me on there, you can get in touch with me on Instagram. My Instagram. I don't even know what my Instagram name is. That's not funny oh, at all. Lord. Hold on. Let me see. see. That's what I'm telling you. I'm see. not trying to be funny. Like I feel old lady sometimes. <laughs> Okay, so if you find me on Instagram, my Instagram name is underscore underscore Khadija M, your CFC, which is Certified Financial Counselor. So underscore underscore Khadija M, your CFC. Or you can find me on TikTok, underscore underscore Khadija with four H's. But um, I thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure going back and forth. I think this is like maybe my first or second or third podcast I've been on. So okay, thanks okay. for having me. And um, I hope y'all, you know, have a great day and have a great life and always seek the truth. Get to the bottom of, you know, what's what's the issue? If you're not getting the results that you want, if you're not happy with the life you live in, forget what everybody else saying. Don't be afraid to go against the norm. And you just got to seek the truth and do what's best for you. So, yes, that's, that's what I got. So thank you for having me. Most definitely. And hopefully you start making more content on YouTube, the unveiling with yes. Khadija. Um, yes. Because you're natural at podcasting. You're absolute natural. You don't seem Aww, like you're thanks. for podcasting. You seem like you've been doing this for, I mean, <laughs> most people just, a lot of people have the gift of gab and you got to tell them, please go make content, bro. Like, <laughs> Go, go 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 make content, bro. Like pe people need to eat, and if you got the spatula and you're not feeding the people, it's your fault. Um, you're right. And I, I told countless people, but you already got the platform, so I, I'm definitely gonna shout you out. But um, well, thank again, you. I'm grateful to have you on. Thank you for coming on, and uh, yeah, so I'll much. see everybody in the next video. Say what's good. <laughs>